Blog Talk Radio.
Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for all of your help because, boy, oh, boy, we sure do need it. We need it in the days that we're in right now more than ever. And we pray in Jesus' name, Father, for an ample anointing, uh, a tenfold portion of your grace uh, to be poured out upon every single one of us, every single one of the listeners, the listeners in the past, listeners in the future, Father. You know who they are and those. Uh, each one of us, we just pray, Father God, that we, we remember and as part of our uh, prayer time that we set aside, Father, in Jesus' name, that we will uh, include the fellow listeners of the program because we are all hopeful, very hopeful to be departing this place relatively soon. And we pray that you will keep our hearts and our minds uh, through your grace, uh, you know, even keel, where we don't worry about all the really creepy black walls that are heading our way with, you know, that right out of a Dr. Fibes uh, movie from the 80s or 70s or whatever. Father, we don't, you know, it's, 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 it, you know how hard it is. You prophesied that we would grow weary. Um, you, I know there's been other prophecies or even more descriptive uh, in regard to the disgusting period that we would be going through. And sure enough, we are there and we expect that it will probably get worse. Um, we know now that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is not being poured out upon us as of yet. And we don't even know if it will be something that we experienced if we are part of the barley harvest and leave in the first departure team. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, Father, we just ask you for that grace. We ask you for supernatural um, strength. Isaiah forty thirty one. those who uh, wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up to the wings of eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. Father, if we got to renew our strength, we're going to need your anointing to do that through your grace, through that touch of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there is any listener of this program right now that is struggling with roller coaster emotions that uh, are, um, you know, just not 
conducive to where they want to be in their walk uh, through praise and worship and harmony, because it's a difficult journey. Uh, you know, the, the Bible does say that the path is narrow and, and, and straight, uh, but it, it doesn't, it's not pretty, it's not very clear about the gigantic potholes and uh, mudslides and things that are, uh, that, 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 you know, that are going to be part of the walk. And we just need your help and us, and we ask you for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to every single listener of this program. We pray in the name of Jesus that your holy fire will swirl amidst a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit around each one of our dwelling places. Father God, we pray in the name of Jesus for warrior angels to be standing at the front door and to follow us wherever we go. We pray in the name of Jesus that any entity of the darkness, worker, saint, and live or dead human spirit, member of a witch coven, anything that cannot call Jesus its Lord and Savior, that attempts to set its will against any of us in the mighty name of Jesus Christ will be immediately struck by the holy fire of God directly from the glory pillar in the name of Jesus Christ, making a public spectacle and example of them across the spiritual realm so that they will not dare attempt to come against us again. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you again and again. We praise you again and again. We ask you for that helping hand, Father God, because we sure enough need it. Place us under the shadow of your wings. Lord Jesus, reach down into into the potholes that we find ourselves struggling through. Help pull us out. Help steady our course, like it says in in, in the prayer in, in Job 24. And we praise your holy name forever and ever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, 
praise God. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness gracious, they're putting that doggone graphene oxide in just about everything right now. I was going to grab, I'm doing this uh, hydrogen H2O2 detox. It's one of the best detoxes. It's uh, known for curing certain types of cancers and a number of uh, incurable illnesses as well. Thank you, Kimberly. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's a book if you want to read about it. It's really cheap. Uh, written, I think it's like three medical doctors are involved in the writing of the book and one, you know, but whatever. It's called The Miracle of Hydrogen Peroxide. Now, what I do is a, uh, you know, I do what's called a hydrogen peroxide detox. And you got, there's a couple of tricks to it. If, if you're really curious about it for real, uh, do always feel free to email me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com. And I can send you my little, uh, you know, introduction booklet, really, that gives you all the information you ever want to know about how to do it and all that. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it, you know, I guess it's not for everyone. Um, but it is one of the most effective. See, what, what a lot of people don't understand, and I love this about this particular type of detox. I detox with all kinds of things. But uh, this particular one um, adds a uh, super punch of energy into your body. Uh, the reason for that is because any time you put pure oxygen in your body and it enters into your bloodstream, okay, one of the side effects for the human body, the way it reacts to that is energy. I mean, I'm talking about super, like, you know, energy kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a very, very clean energy. It's a very, very high focus energy. It blows away the concept of a nootropic uh, like crazy. But anyway, so, the, so here's what happens. So what a lot of people don't know is hydrogen peroxide is actually God's. It's, it's a gift of, of our Heavenly Father to us here on the earth. And, uh, and the, where do they get it from? Well, it, it's kind of like a white dew on certain types of leaves found real, real early in the morning. Now, um, food-grade uh, uh, food grade hydrogen peroxide is a special type of it that is, and is the most common concentration is 35% food-grade. You've got to be very careful with it. All right, now here's the thing. Um, because it ha H2O2, the O2, the two part, that, that's two molecules of oxygen, that makes it unstable. Now, now, it doesn't mean it's bad or scary or anything like that. Unstable simply means that it has an extra molecule of genuine, pure oxygen directly from God. Guaranteed Pfizer hasn't done a dang thing to it. Now, anyway, so... Um, so when you so you, so what you do is you order. Uh, I like to get mine from Guardian of Eden. That's where I always get my stuff. You know my colloidal silver and stuff. But anyway, um, uh, you, you, you get you, uh, really good quality. Uh, the more quality, very important. The quality is extremely important because of course it, it it's unstable. And so if you're dealing with these fly by night companies that are selling stuff on Amazon or whatever the case is, you know if they're not storing it properly over time, the shelf life is very short, and you might end up with some pretty diminished stuff. But anyway, here's the really cool thing. That extra molecule of oxygen in H2O2, when you get the food grade version, which, by the way, you got to store in your freezer. It won't freeze. Uh, that, that maintains it for a long, long time. But anyway, what you do is you put it into it. You get yourself a little uh, funnel, and you put it into a little dropper bottle. Usually, it'll come with a dropper bottle when you order the – but anyway, and here's what you do. The regimen is really easy. Um, you just get yourself a bottle, you know, a, a case of the, uh, you know, whatever, 12-ounce or 16-ounce uh, uh, purified waters. Hopefully you can find some that's not smart water with all the graphene oxygen in it. But anyway, who knows, you know, but you can, you know, 
they haven't gotten everything yet. So anyway, and just pray over and ask God to bless it. But here's the thing that's so cool about it is that extra molecule of oxygen is golden because it, it, oxygen, the way oxygen works in the human body is miraculous. Most people don't realize all the stuff that it does. We just take it for granted and we breathe all. Oh, I have air and I can breathe and, I, you know, I, I, COVID's not bothering me or whatever, you know. It's, no, no, absolutely wrong, incorrect. The way that oxygen works, oxygen molecules are actually responsible for doing a whole lot of different things. The list is very big, but there are – giving you, your body energy is one – and the other thing that there, it's amazing is it's known as osmosis. And that extra molecule of oxygen will find its way to the various cells. It's not picky about the types of cells. It doesn't just go to the liver or the heart or the kidneys or the pancreas. It even goes to your fat cells, which is really cool because you want to get those detoxed as well. And um, so every single cell in your body will get visited by an extra molecule of pure God's oxygen. And that will go through the cellular wall, and it goes in like a cleaning lady, and it goes through all the cells, cleans up all the garbage, goes back out of the cell wall, and then gets flushed out of the body's uh, waste disposal system. Okay? And all the while this is happening, you're getting this surge of clean energy. There's no shaking hands or and all that kind of weirdness. Um, you know, it's just it's very noticeable energy. So the regimen is interesting, and that's why I offered to send you a document if you're interested. Uh, again, it's jbaptist777 at gmail.com. If you're not interested, you can just try to find it up. You just look for the uh, – uh, uh, you can search the Internet if you want to. This might work. Hold on a sec. And I'm looking because I just searched for it the other day, and I'm wondering if – here, let me go ahead and type it in. Hydrogen peroxide. There it is. All right. Boom. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Windows 11 has – you got to go – you got to pick uh, – I just want to rip this computer's processor out and throw it into a glass of ice water. But anyway, it's frustrating. I'm still learning. It'll probably by the time I almost learn it, they'll come out with Windows whatever, and it'll be a whole other nightmare. So anyway, um, but the bottom line is, um, the uh, what what it does is when you 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 take a bottle and day one you just put one drop, one drop into a 16 ounce bottle, and you shake it up and you drink it at morning, noon, and night. The next day you put in two drops morning, noon, and night. And the next day you put in three drops, morning, noon, and night, etc. all the way up to the 15th day where you have 15 drops. So what you're doing is you're weaning your body to accept so much extra pure oxygen molecules so that they go in like crazy cleaning ladies that were sent right down from the throne room of God and they go into all of your cells and they clean up all of the yucky stuff that shouldn't be there because they know that's what oxygen does and then they dump it out and then get rid of it for you. That's the ultimate detox. Where people make a mistake most of the time with this is they get either poor grade uh, H2O2, or you know, or they uh, they make the classic mistake of not weaning themselves on it. They put too many drops in too quickly, and then they get this I don't know energy buzz from the bowels of Sheol, and they're like you know bouncing off the walls and running around their house and talking in strange uh, South African languages and things like that. And then they're like, "Wait, you're trying to poison me!" And I'm like, "You're not following the instructions. You're not following the instructions." 
So anyway, um, I always try to extra warn people before I tell them about the uh, uh, detox with H2O2, but it's uh, one of the best out there. But I don't know. I'm on a detox kick, um, and uh, I just uh, I thought I'd share that with you real quick. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And then um, let me just think here. There was something else I was going to touch upon. Wait a minute. Let me look over here. No, there. No, there. Nope. I got that. Got this, got that. Okay, no. Okay, at this point, I need to, I need to boogie right into the show because, praise Jesus, uh, you know, Brother uh, Alan uh, is going to be showing up right at the top of the hour, and I don't want to hold him up too much. I didn't have a, you know, I didn't give him all the heads up. Oh, I might run over time and all that, so I got to kind of be like with Gary Wayne. So anyway, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Kids, are you ready? Yeah! <laughs> All right, kids, a man tells his doctor, Doc, help me. I'm addicted to Twitter. And the doctor replies, sorry, I don't follow you. A Twitter joke. Right, guys? All right, how come nobody was indicted over the Twitter files, kids? Uh, line three. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Thank you, Mr. Beck. Um, I, I do appreciate your diligence calling in when you hear us talking about this subject. All right, kids, are you ready for the next one? All right, kids. What kind of exercise do lazy people do? I didn't have to think very hard for this one. I think I, I, I got this one right away. What kind of exercise do lazy people do? They do diddly squats. <laughs> Hope to change that after I get my little, whatever, meniscus operation. Doggone co-pays. Anyway, kids. All right. All right. Praise God. What's the difference between a cat and a comma? A cat has claws at the end of paws. A comma has a pause at the end of a clause. Got it, kids? Kids. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I, 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 I got you there, Spanky. I see the little sign in your hand saying it's July and the kids don't want to be talking about that kind of stuff right now. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now. Um, it's time. We're going to have to hit the news because there's an awful lot of audio, and I want to try to burn through it all really quick uh, and uh, and then bring a lot on as uh, promptly as possible. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's head into the news. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, what? It's not normal. This is Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. The first one here is um, now what I didn't do, so I'm bad. Naughty, naughty. But I caught her, she calls herself Dr. Lorraine Day. OK, I didn't do any homework on her. And for, but I but I still think this is worth playing for you, considering that it lines up with just about all the 
well, horrific things that we know are happening all around us right now. Just remember, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, please, I pray that you will bless all of the liquid that I drink. You will bless all of the, of the water, of the uh, soft drinks, of the food, Father God, anything that's been sprayed on it. I render it in the name of Jesus, completely inert. In Jesus' name, bless it and make it healthy for my body and take away all of the poisons that the, that the evil one has injected and, and sprayed upon them in Jesus' name. I just highly recommend that you do that because this stuff is closing in on us fast. And I don't want that creepy stuff in my body. I don't know about you. But anyway, listen to this. This is, this is the lady, Dr. Lorraine Day. Listen to what she's saying about the, about the PCR uh, COVID testing swabs, all right? I knew they were grabbing DNA samples, but I didn't know this. I have the article right here in front of me, and here's what it says. Yes, they can vaccinate us through the nasal test swabs and target the brain. Now, here's, here's the thing. Supposedly, the COVID-19 is in your saliva. Well, if it's in your saliva, then all they have to do is swab the inside of your mouth like they do for a DNA test. But no, they take these long Q-tips and they stick them all the way back almost into your brain. They stick them back to the back of the nasal sinuses, and then they twist them. All right, here's what they're doing. First of all, there is a very thin plate of bone that covers the brain between the brain and the nasal sinus, and it's called the cribriform plate. And every doctor knows about the cribriform plate. All right, now the cribriform plate has some openings in it where olfactory nerves, nerves from the nose, go through that plate into the brain. And bone, uh, that this kind of bone in the cribriform plate is porous anyway. So substances can go through it. So when they take that swab and they put it back there and twist it, what they're doing is depositing things back there. This, you can't see this, but this shows that they have nanoparticles that are actually on the ends of the Q-tips that they're putting in there that can get into your brain. Ah, uh, well, that just about says it all, but not really, because we have another one. All right, let's listen to this lady talk about this medication that she pulled off the shelf. Uh, I don't recognize this med um, as an over-the-counter med in the United States, so I suspect this lady may be from another country. Um, but it is an over-the-counter over med made by Pfizer, uh, and it looks like new both new bopin. Uh, but let me go ahead and zoom in a little bit tighter on the image and maybe I can give you a better. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a new Rofin, Zavance. Okay, obviously, well, according to this lady, it, it is made by Pfizer. Well, let's listen to what she has to say about this particular over-the-counter, everyday, not much different than just Tylenol or Excedrin PM, for us anyway, here in the United States of Babylon the Great. Listen to what she says she discovered about this over-the-counter medication from Pfizer. So I saw a video the other day of um, showing how this, the ink, well, the black on neurofin tablets that we think is ink um, is actually graphene oxide. And I decided to do the test myself. Now, it confirmed it to me after two tablets in the water, but what I did was I put in a whole week's worth of neurofin um, 
into a glass. Now I'm just going to swirl it a little bit because there's quite a bit of tablet debris at the bottom. But what I want to show you is... She's holding a, ma- a magnet up to the side of the, the glass. glass. And now you see like a whole swarm of teeny-weeny little flea-sized pieces of graphene oxide swarming through the liquid to the side of the glass. It's just a week's worth. If you've been taking your fan for a year, how much of this stuff is in your system? Yep, nice little pile of it right there on the side of the glass. Looking at things and not just trusting. The people, you know, the, the reality is that the people that don't have the protection of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives, they're doomed. I mean, you know, the only thing they've got going for them, if they are swimming in a, in, um, you know, a cesspool of ignorance, which a lot of people are, even a lot of born-again Christians. Now, here's the thing. The cool thing about our Heavenly Father is he's amazingly merciful, and he doesn't punish people for being dumb as the thumbtack. Thank you, Jesus, because I think all of us at some point in our lives were dumb as a thumbtack about some subject or another, now, or, or maybe multiple ones. But the point I'm making is um, uh, I, I suspect, because of the way that some of the scriptures read, et cetera, about you know, the seal of God and those who are sealed by God, and doesn't mean that they're perfect, doesn't mean they never sin, because that would be re- absolutely ridiculous, and they're actually people out there that think that they are sin free but that's i'm not even going to get into that that's a whole nother special show but anyway um uh you know we strive to be sin free but anyway so um and it's a constant state of confession and all that now anyway so and it's all day long all day long every single day okay now that being said um uh so so i'm i'm like going to do my i've made up my mind and i'm going to go ahead and do the h2o2 detox i'm going all in this time i'm going i'm going to shoot for the 15 drops let me tell you something. Even when you wean yourself up to 15 drops, and boy, you're so full of energy, you don't know what to do, do with yourself. So I don't know. Maybe maybe if I'm fortunate and, and everything goes quickly, I'll be able to get my knee surgery. Because I was told by my, by my brother that the meniscus is, you know, he said that the surgery is inpatient, outpatient, and you can play tennis that night. I mean, it's literally that fast. It's instantaneous healing. They sew it, sew it up together with dissolving thread, whatever, and it's just done. It's just a done deal. You don't have to do any kind of anything. You don't have to do any kind of funky exercises or stretches or any of that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I, I know that I'll be able to get on the elliptical trainer right away because right now I'm taking the Mobic because I did the full test. I got off the Mobic, which is an amazing, amazing pain pill uh, that is given to people, poor people. So I feel so sad for people that have arthritis because it's just awful. But anyway, uh, that's what it's for. It's, it's, uh, it's mainly given to people that have arthritic knees and and hips and things. Well, anyway, it works amazingly. Well, I had to wait an awful long time, weeks, in fact, weeks, in fact, uh, for the Mobic to completely wash itself out of my body until that was the final test to see if my knee was going to go back to full, full blown. Oh my gosh, I can barely get out of my chair kind of thing, you know, really hurting. Sure enough, that's exactly right where it went. It took a long time, though. And then at that point, I said, okay, I scheduled the MRI, and I started taking the Mobic again. So right now, I'm, I'm quite mobile, uh, but I'm not going to do anything. You know, I'm not going to, like, go be a dum-dum and jump on my elliptical tomorrow morning at 4 o'clock and, uh, you know, and then tear up my meniscus even more because I have pain meds. You know, um, instead, uh, they're not pain meds like, you know, OxyContin or whatever. It, it, it's a... Um, it's some kind of a special 
I don't know. I don't know. It's very special. I've never had anything work so efficiently. Of Everything that a doctor has ever given me, there are only two things, two things that I can recall that have worked incredibly well. And one of those is Vicodin for, um, for uh, you know, uh, dental problems. Vicodin doesn't seem to work at all. I hate Vicodin. I hate it. I hate it with all of my heart. I hate how it makes me feel. It makes me grumpy, whatever. I just hate it. But if, I, if I've got an ache in my tooth and it is killing me beyond, like to the point of screaming bloody murder kind of thing, ow, one proper whatever milligram of Vicodin, oh, it's like a godsend. You can go to sleep. The pain goes away. Thank you, Jesus. Like Vicodin was God's gift, in my opinion, to dental problems. All right, but the the only other thing that is that that has always worked great for me, and, and that that's it, and nothing else. Anything they ever gave me for my back didn't do a darn thing. Anything they ever gave me for sciatica didn't do a darn thing. Uh, just didn't. But the Mobic M O B I C that for this whatever meniscus thing, it's amazing. It makes it completely it not see. What's weird is it takes away all the pain from the lower half of my body. So I feel like going outside and jogging. I can't believe it. So anyway, I hope I feel half that good after I get out of the sur- sur- surgeon's off, excuse me, office. Um, and so I can get back to working out and everything. So I, and that's part of what I'm preparing. But can you imagine? So I'm sitting there on Amazon. Get this. So I'm on Amazon, and I know I have to buy some water because I need that for the H2O2 treatment. And, um, uh, and, and um, I, you know, I went to Amazon Fresh because I didn't, you know, they didn't have any extra delivery fees or whatever. And I was about to click, you know, enter into cart. You know, because I, I, what do I care? I don't really care what water I buy, right? I, I, the Walmart stuff is starting to creep me out because I know they're totally in on it. But, um, I, you know, I figure Zephyr Hills was safe because it's a local family-owned, well, it used to be a local family-owned operation just an hour and a half north of my house. So I figured that since that's uh, spring water, it's, it's, it's going to take them a while to be able to corrupt them. But the lady on the last show I played it did the same. She did the experiment with water, and she said, this is the smart water. I don't know if you remember that, but this is the smart water brand, she says. I'm sorry, it was a man. And he put an electrode. Remember, he put, poured some into a glass. He put an electrode. And you might say, well, what's an electrode? Well, it, essentially, you could create any kind of an electrode by putting a couple of wires, uh, one on either side of a 9-volt battery, and then just shearing a little bit of the uh, insulation off the end of each wire, and then just stick the 9-volt battery uh, wires into the water, and that would uh, electrify, if you will. It'll send a current through the water, and that was what the guy did, and then it turned the water black, and then he took a strong magnet and ran it up the, up and down the side of the glass and said, look, look, see how it's, you know, it's very magnetic, and sure enough, and so, but here's the creepy part. So I'm sitting here getting ready to buy water so I can do my H2O2 detox, and I click the button because I... What do I care? Right? And I clicked the button, and I couldn't believe it. Smart water went into my um, uh, 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 shopping cart. I, I didn't even know it was sold in the United States. I had no idea. I don't know. You know, I don't look at this kind of stuff. So I'm like, look at all going. Oh my gosh, that's the graphene oxide smart water. So anyway, um, uh, of course, I, I woke up suddenly and got a little bit of a jolt of intelligence for a moment and uh, got rid of it and went back, back and got to Zephyr Hills and prayed over it. All right, praise God. Next one up is uh, mainstream media news. This is Brett Bear, and he, don't get any more controlled and and 
and mainstream than him. Okay, um, he's he's one of those guys that no matter what is going to make sure he keeps his job until he dies at Fox News. But anyway, praise God. Um, uh, uh, let's just listen. This is about a Biden Department of Justice uh, supposedly indicts a whistleblower who allegedly uh, – this guy's all over Twitter, by the way. But the fact that the report made it to Fox is, well, very noteworthy. Let's listen to this. Army officer and co-director of a Maryland think tank is under federal indictment tonight. Gal Luft is charged with acting as an unregistered foreign agent, trafficking in arms, violating U.S. sanctions against Iran, and making false statements to federal agents. He says he was arrested in Cyprus to stop him from testifying before a congressional committee regarding bribery allegations against the Biden family. Luft makes those allegations in a video obtained exclusively by the New York Post. I and Twitter. to inform the U.S. government about potential security breach and about compromising information about a man vying to be the next president. I'm now being hunted by the very same people whom I informed and may have to live on the run for the rest of my life. Luft calls the charges against him completely political. We'll follow up with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. If that don't sound familiar, uh, oh, be officer, quiet, Brett. We've heard enough of your program, the yada yada, blah blah stuff. All right, so whatever. Um, uh, but hey, same old story. That's the same old FBI whistleblower story. As soon as you launch any kind of a complaint, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Instant indictments, automatically going to be thrown in jail. We all know it. We all know it. Everybody knows it. Uh, they, they actually, well, I do have the audio of this, but Matt Getz gets pretty uh, sparky in one of his inquiries in a, in a C-SPAN hearing, or, well, you know, a, a House hearing. Anyway, uh, and he says, I don't know, let's just see the person interviewing Matt Getz asked for the first time since all this weirdness has been going on for the last three years, for the first time the interviewer actually asked Matt Getz the right question. I'll point that out when we get to it. All right, this here is uh, FBI Director Ray gets visibly upset when Matt Getz calls him out. This is part of the inquiries that are going on behind the scenes while we're all schlepping and working hard and, you know, trying to keep the lights on. Praise God. Hurry up, Lord! Anyway, here we go. Here's the, here's the next one. This is Getz going after uh, Director Ray of the FBI who belongs in prison for the rest of 50 lives. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever. I'm sitting here with my father. He's reading. I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, director? I'm not going to get into commenting on that. You, you, you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? Absolutely not. The FBI well, does you won't not the has no oh, interest in You won't answer the question about whether or not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to, ev- to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. But I'm sitting here with my father. I will make 
All right. So anyway, oh, and by the way, just as a FYI for your information, uh, another interesting tidbit is that the uh, congressional halls uh, outside of where the hearing is taking place are loaded with people. Now, granted, they're being extremely orderly, uh, single file line all along a row because they don't want to they don't want to get thrown in jail for the rest of their lives. But the, the it's actually a protest. There's a uh I don't know, as far as the eye can see, going down the Congressional Hall, a line of people and the uh, the uh, um, discussion about the photograph and video is that these people are protesters uh, that are protesting that Director Ray needs to be, you know, taken to Nuremberg 3 or whatever. Right? Who knows? Uh, anyway. Okay, and here's Getz. Getz votes to shut down the government if the FBI is not fixed. Now, pay close attention to the last question that the interviewer from the Epic Times asks Matt Getz, because this is the one I want to ask every single one of them. Jim Jordan, the whole the whole group. Uh, you know, because at the end of the day, it's nice that they're like revealing all this stuff, but if nobody does anything about it because the DOJ and the entire judicial uh, arm of the country is, you know, whatever, being threatened by the Global Santana's Crime Syndicate, then what, you know what, it's kind of it's like that one guy, I don't know if you, oh, I'm going to run out of time if I go back up and play it. Okay, let me just go to this Matt Getz uh, audio here real quick, okay. I got to stay on track because there's so many related videos. Here we go. Uh, today's Judiciary Committee hearing. Oh, Christopher Ray continues his path of perjury and deception and blissful, willful ignorance in many cases about the FBI's surveillance abuses, about the FBI's uh, inability to really grapple with the corruption of the first family. And even if you put uh, conditions for the FBI in the upcoming uh, appropriations uh, bills, uh, you have to deal with a Democrat-controlled Senate. How do you plan to navigate that? Well, if we have to shut this entire government down over the FBI, then that'll be a tough call. No one wants to have to do it, but we cannot continue to allow this to happen or we don't have a free country. You would shut the government down over the FBI? Absolutely, if we don't get the reforms we need. Thank you very much. Wow. <laughs> so we'll see, you know. Um, unfortunately and sadly, uh, my earthly Johnny side remembers when Getz and Lauren Lauren Boebert uh, were fighting to keep um, uh, McCarthy out, and they made extremely great points as to why McCarthy shouldn't be voted as a speaker, and uh, that whole thing fell apart. So I don't know. I don't have a lot of trust in anything anybody says. Oh, 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 there it is, line three again on the blue phone. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Well, hey, we really appreciate your contribution to the show there, Mr. Beck. Thank you very much. God bless you. All right. All right. Now, this is a lady uh, with her boyfriend uh, coming out of the Sound of Freedom movie. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, but there have been these freaky-deaky anomalies that have been taking place in the theaters all over the country while the movie is playing. Uh, One of them even had explosions taking place underneath the flooring somehow. Uh, they, they, They were loud. They were boomy, and they made the floor vibrate. 
street, and uh, you know, I suppose it would have made people freak out and leave. Now, it could have been some of those. I don't know if you remember this. If you go back in time, you can remember that they actually installed in some of the theaters sensor round. Remember that term, sensor round? That's the H two O two. Give me a little bit of jolt in my memory to remember that. But anyway, uh, so if it, if they had some old sensor round technologies uh, built into the floorboards, they could have been kicking that off to freak people out because they don't really do the sensor round thing anymore. Nobody wants to get sprayed in the face uh, when a velociraptor comes running by. So anyway, um, uh, but listen to what this lady says happened to her and her husband when they came when they were watching the the, the uh, movie. And they say it's not just them; they have friends, and they're getting reports from everybody. It looks like. Okay, so let's listen to this. So my fiance and I just watched the movie Sound of Freedom that exposes sex traffickers. And do you want to tell them what happened in the movie theater? All right, AMC, I don't know what's going on here. But first off, the AC was out, like, when we went to watch the movie. And I'd seen someone else post something, too, that also saw it at an AMC. And their AC was out. And, like, as soon as we walked into the theater, it was hot as heck. I literally brought a sweatshirt, and I was, like, sweating. And then we realized, like... It took us a while to actually realize it, but they didn't turn the lights on. They literally had the lights on. They kept the lights on, the entire movie. Who does that? <laughs> like, they don't want you to see this movie. They were trying to make it, like, not enjoyable. No. Like, they were trying to make it unenjoyable. What do they think? We're just going to be like, oh, the lights are on. We're going to leave. Like, no. Go watch Sound of Freedom in theaters now. All right. Praise God. So there's a little... Uh, whatever uh, commercial for you, but be warned. <clears throat> who knows what they're going to go to next? What? 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 Who knows? There's so these entities are so creepy. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus. Um, next headline up. All right, I'm going to read this one to you. It turns out from Breitbart News, the headline reads, California Democrats block a bill to make child trafficking a felony. So they actually voted on it in California. And they voted against making child trafficking a felony. Well, if it's not a felony, what is it? A misdemeanor, an annoyance, a parking ticket. I wish there was just like somebody. Well, we know our Heavenly Father's keeping, keeping watch, and he's, he's got a naughty and nice list. And boy, oh boy, I, there's going to be an awful lot of people on the naughty list. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Harvard scientist claims he found fragments from an alien spaceship. And indeed, that is exactly what he said. Uh, he said, essentially, he, he said, uh, you know, a couple of different things, but he said he actually used the term interstellar um, to explain the fragments, etc. And and also called out the word extraterrestrial or alien. Uh, it says, I mean, alien spaceship right in the article. So um, there's, you know, what they're doing is they're dredging up no pun intended. Well, pun intended, I guess. Uh, they're dredging up uh, stuff that has uh, fallen off of meteors that they've collected over the years, and they're taking a second look at it. Because now, you know, kind of like the cat's out of the bag. you got specialists from the Pentagon that have cosmic clearances, and they're coming out and talking about aliens. Aliens this, aliens here, aliens there, aliens everywhere. Here an alien, there an alien. Now, I've known that it was always here an alien, there an alien. I've known that forever. But... um to actually have these agencies coming out and talking about them openly is brand new to the year 2023. Gee, I wonder why. No, I don't. 
All right, next one up. This one is uh, from uh, a Twitter post, and it says that the World Economic Forum and the United Nations announced the 2023 summit in September will agree how to accelerate Agenda 30 or 2030. Uh, the nickname is, you know. But anyway, it says, if you thought 15-minute cities, digital IDs, personal carbon limits, and CBDCs were far into the future, you were mistaken. It's coming even faster than you think. It says, and this is public, pu- published on the World Economic Forum website, it states, and I quote, the 2023 SDG Summit is enormously significant with a number of world leaders expected to attend, the last one had over 800 they will ref- and they they don't want to miss it you got to understand they don't want to miss it because they don't want to p- piss off clouds they got to be part of the cloud you know they don't want to lose their little um you know handheld buzzer that tells them when to go to the mountains and get on the uh on the arcs so that they can escape the end of the world kind of thing uh, you, know, you know how it is. They've got to be part of the club. So it even goes, uh, they will reflect on the progress achieved and the proposed strategies to accelerate the implementation of Agenda 2030, which has suffered unforeseen setbacks due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which they caused, a major negative impacts of climate change, which they're lying about. Yes, it's climate change, but it's catastrophic climate change caused by Nibiru, Planet X, the destroyer of nations from the Holy Bible. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And the sign of the Son of Man in Matthew 20. 429, Alleluia. And the rising cost of food and fuel everywhere, which they caused. So something's funky about this whole thing. It's another fake argument for putting the pedal to the metal and giving us our misery sooner than we want them to. Well, we don't ever want them to, but whatever. You know, jam it down our throat faster. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. All right. Benzinga reports National Security Advisor warns World War III uh, might not involve guns and bombs, but instead biological and computer viruses. And there's been a lot of chitter chatter about uh, you know that kind of stuff. And it's not. Here's the thing: it's not going to be A. It's not going to be B. It's not going to be C. It's not going to be D. It's going to be all of the above. Whatever the answer is for all of the above, once again. Pick that one, and you will pass the test. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Right, kids? Now, you learned that a long time ago. When you, when you don't know the answer to it, you always select all of the above. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Hold on a second. Okay. So then uh, here's just a little snippety. I don't have a lot of time to play this. Wait a minute. Yeah. Okay, so I just wanted to let you know that Alex Jones made a comment to, to commentary, and he was doing it from – you know, his version of Christianity, which is, except for the gun thing and a, about a half a dozen other issues, he's he will be a foolish virgin. I hope that he makes it, and I hope that we all can just lift him up in prayer. I, you know, I, but anyway, so what he did was he came out and he explained, because he was talking about all the sick, twisted, filthy, abominations that are going on on the earth and the children and the deform- the deformation of the children and the horrible sex crimes and you know, just all the disgusting in the CBDCs and the World Economic Forum. He's talking about everything that's puke-worthy in the world, and he said, he essentially said, I, I, I am, he essentially said what we all have said in our hearts at some time. Even in prayer, I've said this. God, why don't you just destroy the whole earth? 
Well, now, of course, he's watched like a hawk because everybody wants to try to give him another reason for them to give him like a $50 trillion uh, uh, you know, uh, settlement, which he's never going to pay. And, and you know, it's just absolutely insane. The whole world is insane. Everything is upside down, just like it says in Isaiah 29. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish we would leave tonight. All right. Praise God. This is a comment by Jim uh, Kevazel uh, regarding uh, some of the additional uh, retribution that they're facing post-movie. All right. Sound of freedom. All right. Let's listen to what he says here. Seen this over and over again in the media. You said ivermectin's bad. That's listed under the NIH. Uh, hydroxychloroquine is bad for us. That's listed under the NIH. Adrenochrome, that's not true. It's C9H9NO3. This is a um, chemical compound that is absolutely, this has been around in modern science since the 1930s. You can actually, there's a synthetic form and there's a, a regular uh, uh, natural form, which is caused by torturing little kids to get their adrenaline up, essentially, and then remo- extracting it from them. Um, when you sit and meet, and, and so I brought this up a few years ago and all of a sudden I was attacked by every media, look it up. It's, it's there. They absolutely went after me. And the next day, um, I never heard from my agents, my agency for 14 months. Uh, my lawyers let me go. Uh, my agency never called me after that. And essentially I was done. And so when we go and do movies like this, you spend a great deal of time with agents working with them. I didn't realize the connection though to my industry and to Epstein Island and all of that, but obviously there is. It's a lot worse than you think there, Mr. Jim. But anyway, all right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It, uh, anyway, uh, it, I think it's going to be it's like nothing this. happens. This Nobody is, goes to jail. This is be Nobody it. pays for a thing anymore. All right. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Heavy New York flooding kills one causes widespread damage. So if anybody's been tuned into a little bit of the uh, northwestern flood dynamics that are taking place up there, it's kind of bad. It's pretty bad. Now, the property damage is the worst part. Uh, the, the, the result, the, so, it's, so from, from the people death thing, it's not so bad. Only, you know, hardly ever is. But, boy, these are some serious floods. And some pe- a lot of people's houses are, oh, it's very, very bad, very, very bad. Anyway, next one up. All right. Uh, th- this is another Twitter post, and it's talking about uh, – I'll just read it. It says, Russia has confirmed that BRICS will introduce a new gold-backed currency, which will challenge the dollar's hegemonic dominance. According to recent reports, as many as – get this – 41 countries. Now, when you consider that there's 195 major countries – that doesn't include the island nations – um, uh, you know, 41 percentage-wise is noteworthy. What is that? Almost a third, right? Uh, well, almost. So anyway, um, that and it's growing though. That's the thing. It's growing, 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 growing. So every couple of weeks, every three weeks or so, 
there's another report that comes out that says, oh, it was 41, but now it's 59. Oh, it was 59, but now it's, you know, like that kind of a thing. So it's an ever-growing thing, and it's happening right when all the United States Treasury bonds are about to get dumped by China. Uh, that will definitely jettison, jettison us to the very end of the third seal, which is a wonderful thing because the last couple of words of the third seal is – do not harm the oil or the wine, which is a direct reference to the bride of Jesus Christ. That is our marker to be eligible to get out of, off this alien demon-infested rock. Hallelujah. Hopefully in the barley harvest. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, next one up. A win at the Netherlands. Maybe this is one of those things that upset Mr. Schwab as he was licking the cockroaches off of his face with his lizard tongue. Anyway, it says, Netherlands, Mark Rutt has been forced to resign as the party no longer has control uh, and cannot rein in immigration. And anyway, so Amsterdam, uh, you know, the Dutch country and all that kind of stuff is still in very, very, very big trouble. There's a lot of farmers that have committed suicide, a lot of property that's still been lost, but at least they got rid of this entity that um, was obviously a hand puppet of the Global Santana Crime Syndicate. All right. Praise God. Next one up. All right. I'm looking at the time. I'm down to four minutes before we need to bring on Alon. Uh, I just wanted to give you this information. Get this. General Michael Flynn is now all over Twitter telling people he does not believe we are going to make it to the 2024 elections. He believes there will be a black swan event. Okay, that's just another fancy way of saying a bad false flag. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Alarming sevenfold increase in Stephen Johnson syndrome linked to COVID-19 and vaccine. And that is a horrible, it's one of the most horrible side effects to get. They're all bad. Um, anyway, next one up. North Korea fires ballistic missile um, in the direction of Seoul, whatever, Seoul reports and, you know, whatever. So that 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 is continuing. High friction, helter-skelter. Remember the little sister. Watch out for her. She's going to be the one. All right. Praise God. Next one up. Protests continue in Israel against proposed judicial changes. So, again, all the freaky-deaky weird protesting stuff that's been going on all around the world for various reasons. Well, of course, Israel is continuing to join in on that. And Netanyahu, quite frankly, creeps me out. I will never say anything bad about God, uh, bad against God's wife because it's very clear in Hosea 2, verses 19 through 20, our Heavenly Father says to Israel, I will betroth thee. But right now, his wife needs a facelift. That's why Israel and the United States of Babylon the Great are the two most judged countries in the entire Holy Bible. Because Jesus said, I would want for you to not either be hot or cold, but because you are lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. All right, and guess what? Two of the biggest lukewarm countries in the entire world are the United States and Israel. All right, next one up. Here we go. NATO allies signed pact on F-16 jet training for Ukraine, and all the experts have already said that'll be worthless. It takes a lot longer to get good at the plane than they have time. And besides, it's going to be a stripped-down model, and it's not going to work very well, so uh, Russia will be shooting it out of the sky faster than they can even get them up. All right, another headline reads, New York Times, how hot is this sea off Florida right now. Get this. It's in the high 90s. They're talking about 97 degrees Fahrenheit, okay, which is right around, what is that, about 40 degrees Celsius. Anyway, um, the point I'm trying to make here is that's not good news for people who don't want to get hit by hurricanes. That's really hot water. And that's where all the energy 
is sucked up. I have a feeling that the hurricanes are going to get so bad. Not not that they shouldn't have done this already. I think at, at Hurricane Irma should have been given another designation. Category four, category five, you know, they need to add another designation because they're not taking into consideration the energy of the storm. They're only talking about things like wind speed and stuff like that. All right, uh, New York Times reports, praise God. How hot is the sea off of Florida right now? Again, another confirmation that it's in the high 90s. World War III is now approaching. Putin's ranting uh, ally warns complete mad west is boosting the prospect of an all-out global conflict with its military assistance for Ukraine. They're speaking about all the cluster bombs, so they went through with it. They're already using them. They're already using biological and uh, uh, chemical weapons on them. Uh, On Russia, it is an absolute miracle that Putin has held back this long, but Dmitry Medvedev, he does, he's all for going all in. He's, he's, he's up to his, the top of the tippity top of it, top of his head. He's fed up. He doesn't have the same level of patience that Putin is exhibiting right now. The only reason they're not using tactical nukes at this time is because they're trying, they're trying to hold off as much as possible because they want no civilian loss of life. They have never I – don't, I don't want to get into it. And if and people aren't paying attention, they don't know what's going on over in the Ukraine, then bat on them. All right, and I know a lot of people, I don't even want to get into it, a lot of evangelical Christians are absolutely delusional. All right, next one up. European heat waste uh, cerebris claims first life as worker dies in 40 degrees Celsius heat, which, again, I think is something like 104 degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. Uh, I don't know if you can really tell much of the difference between 104 and 105, maybe 2 to 4. If it's 4 degrees difference, you're going to feel it. But then it feels like temperature. What is that? And then you add in the humidity factor with Florida. Oh, man, just the very thought of it. All right, next one up. Lavrov says no end to the Ukraine war until the West abandons its abandons its plan to defeat Russia. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next one up. Up, 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 up. Impossible early galaxies suggest the universe may be billions of years older than previously thought. Okay, that one gets this one. You're good. Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Next one up. InfoWars reports the Department of Justice removes international sex trafficking from minors as an area of concern on the White House page. In other words, there's nothing here. Pay no attention. There isn't any sex trafficking. There was no Epstein. Forget about it. Don't look at that. Forget about Biden. No, 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 no. China, we, we hate China. We're going to go to war with them over, over, over Taiwan. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what we want you to focus on while we're forming allies with them and a pact with them to institute the new world order, the social, the ESG system, the social credit scores, the, you know, the digital currency, and all the other constraints that they already have on the, on the, uh, in, in China. It, it, Taiwan is trickery. It's trickery. You have to understand magic. It's sleight of hand. Hallelujah. Next one up. CIA secret mosquito experiments in India. So they proved that they have been doing it over in India. They're pretty upset about it. Um, of course, they'll probably not be very successful. All they ever end up doing is sanctioning and kicking people out for all the right reasons. But that's also 
strongly believed, and some believe they have evidence that that's why the malaria outbreak in Florida, for the first time ever, is now occurring, that uh, our very good, kind, philanthropic friend and shape-shifting reptilian known as William Gates, uh, you know, has decided he wants to, you know, kill people in Florida. You know, I guess he doesn't like DeSantis and some of his, uh, you know, uh, anti-LGBT XYZ policies. That's one up and last one. Michigan criminalizes misgendering with five years in jail or a $10,000 fine. So if you're walking down the street and you see somebody that looks like a cat, a dog, a woman, a man with per- pink purple polka dotted hair and um, you ha- say, uh, you know, you bump into them and say, excuse me, and you accidentally use a pronoun, you can go to jail for five years, get a $10,000 fine. Got it? Yeah. Pretty weird world we live in. Father, please, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, Luke twenty-one thirty-six, that we will be counted worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand right before you, Jesus. And we know the make-out, the layout, and how heaven works. And if we're standing before you, like Luke twenty-one thirty-six says, we'll be standing in line at the wedding supper. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, on that note, let's bring on Brother Alain Dubree. Okay? Praise Jesus. And uh, I, I had to ask my special friend Paula in, uh, in uh, uh, Grasse. France, uh, make sure that I was pronouncing his name. That's how I thought. I, I told her I think it's going to be the, the, the Alain Debris, and she said, uh, "I said, but it could be this." And she said, "No, you were right the first time." So anyway, I didn't want to like butcher his name. So praise Jesus. Uh, let's go ahead and bring him live right now. Hallelujah. Uh, Brother Alan, are you there? Hey, how you doing, John? Great. We're so glad to have you. This is one of our favorite topics. Um, so um, excited to hear this really well-researched. You know, and the sister Nancy was saying she's, she was just gushing with, um, uh, you know, praise. Uh, so you know, with uh, the uh, thoroughness of your research and uh, the various uh, easily missed dynamics in, in, the, in the different versions of the gospel uh, that uh, help to make this absolutely incredibly fascinating point. And um, uh, and and testimony through your discovery. So again, I just wanted to personally uh, thank you very very much for joining us. We're excited for you to uh, share uh, whatever you want uh, feel led to share in regard to this subject. And also, if you would like um, to start out, so you know, if you wait to the very end, a lot of people when they listen to podcasts, you know, they might get busy and click off early. So would you go ahead and introduce yourself and also um, the name of your ministry and where people can find you and stuff like that in the beginning so that they get the information right up front and then go ahead and uh, take take the mic and run with it. I'm going to grab my virtual folding chair like I would if I was in a church, and I'm going to go back to the back area and sit down and hand the podium over to you, brother. Thank you very much. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite, and uh, I'll help you out with the name. <laughs> it is definitely French. Uh, for the French people, it's Alain Dubreuil. So I don't expect any any English ones to get that one very well. Uh, what we say for English is Alan Dubreuil. 
So you can just call me Alan. Make it easier for you. You know, <laughs> I, I got to jump in. I got to jump in here because um, I took two years of French, and I work in consulting worldwide. Worldwide consulting. Oh, okay. Um, and and so what I have found to be very fascinating is if I put five Alain A-L-A-I-Ns in a room, every dagnabbit one of them is going to tell me it's pronounced differently. Every one of them will. You know why I know that? Because I am working with one of the largest telecommunications in Canada right now. I'm working with one of those companies. Anyway, um, long story short, one of the guys that I was working with also had the name A-L-A-I-N. And he was insistent that it was Alain. And, you know, don't you dork it up kind of thing, you know. And then and then I talked to Paula, uh, Paula Ledger, who's now living over in Grasse, France. And um, and uh, she, her and I talk every day. And I said, you know, I don't want to tear his name up on the air. So I, I kind of <laughs> cheated and I gave it to her. And I said, is this, you know, I used uh, phonetics, you know, phonetics to, to say what I think it was. And she says, yes, that is absolutely correct. It is Alain Dubris. <laughs> well, then you're telling us it's no, not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite I love exactly, that. That's you know. And, and and the last name you you it's like the U I L just disappear. So the D U B R E U I L, the U I L disappear and it's just like Dubray, right? So I know. Yeah, it's, I know. So it's that's definitely two a years of France. In two years of France, I managed to squeak out maybe six to eight sentences that I could speak, and I couldn't write a word. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I tried. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's all yours, brother. Go ahead. Perfect. So, yeah, the, the ministry is called Ministry Revealed, and you can find us at ministryrevealed.com. When I open uh, the videos that I do, I do videos on YouTube. I do them every four to five days, and you want to talk about in-depth and really going into detail. Um, <laughs> the, the, the amount of revelation that, that opens up to you when you begin to understand what we're going to talk about tonight, um, it, it is truly, truly mind-boggling. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pieces of Scripture all connect. I can take you from the creation story to the end of Revelation and put it all together in how what was and is shall be, like Ecclesiastes 9 says. Uh, sorry, 1-9 says. And um, when you come to ministryrevealed.com, you go to the menu box, and you click to the word uh, uh, to the link that says the intro. So the things that we're going to be talking about here tonight is is really just part of of the first three videos that are the intro. So we're going to talk about this revelation of who the gospels are speaking to, which will lead us into something else, which we'll we'll definitely have to touch on along the way, because it's connected to. The, the topic of this story that you would say, you know, people, some people call it the three raptures. It's actually not three raptures. It's a pre, a mid, a post. And the pre, as you, I love it. I love that you used uh, Luke 21:36. When you understand who the and you realize that there are three storylines throughout the Gospels and the synoptic Gospels of Luke, Mark, and Matthew, because John stands on his own. There's another whole reason for John, which we won't get into tonight. But when you understand that Luke, Mark, and Matthew are prophetically structured with them of events that haven't happened or are typologies within their differences that are telling us a story of the is to come. Incredible. 
And what you're going to come to see is Matthew, Mark, Luke. In the end of days is Luke, Mark, Matthew. The first will be last. The last will be first. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. As you begin to understand this, as you listen, as you study it, as you come to the website and go through that intro series, um, all sorts of things are going to open up to you because you're going to start to realize these questions that everybody who studies their scriptures, which I would imagine all of your audience does, when they come to see these things, they must have at some point in their lives said, well, why, why does that say that here, and why does that say something different over here? Why would the wording be different there, and the wording of the same story is different over here? It's so different, it's not even, it's not even the same at all. And so how it all began for me, um, <laughs> believe me, it, 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 I don't know. It, I, I don't know what the Lord's purpose was, um, you know, why me, why, why we've been given this in the end, except to say, Outside of why me, I have no idea. But the revelation that you're about to, to begin to understand needed to be revealed before the end began. Because what people thought they knew to the extent of timing is only half the story. And that's what I'm talking about when we get going. And how it all began for me, I started – um, I was an entrepreneur, and I was doing uh, my own business, and I started doing YouTube videos on the side with my first one in June of 2017, and I, I just hit my knees before doing it, and I said, Lord, just use me. I'm, I'm doing my stuff out of the garage. I said, Lord, just use me. I'm just repeating what others were teaching on about prophecy, and maybe I'll reach somebody that somebody else didn't, and that was my entire intent. That, that was it, and on September 8th, um, we've got a video on YouTube on September 8th of 2017, my entire life changed. Uh, I was doing a, a typical video talking about, you know, the tribulation, looking at the pre-trib as everybody was looking at the Revelation 12 sign. And I was in Revelation chapter 12. And while I was in Revelation chapter 12, I was reading it and something suddenly didn't make sense. And so I said in the video, look, uh, I noticed something, but, you know, if there's anything to it, I'll come back to you guys. Well, I always remember Chuck Missler and what he said years ago, you know, that whenever you, something like that happens to you, it's like a prompting from the Holy Ghost. And I went in and started looking. Well, that's been almost six years now, and it has not stopped. The revelation is absolutely over-the-top incredible. Mystery is hidden since the beginning of creation. It's that powerful. And I'll show you what happened, or I'll explain to you what happened in Revelation chapter 12. Everybody was twelve about the 12-1, you know, the great wonder in the sky. Well, when you go to Revelation 12-1, and, and I always use the Strongs. I use a program called eSword with the KJV Plus, so you have the Strongs at your fingertips. And when you read Revelation 12-1, and it says, and there appeared a great wonder, well, the Revelation 12-1 sign, I believe it was a sign because it's millions and millions of people around the world watching, but it wasn't the Revelation 12 event. This great wonder, it says, that appears, says to gaze upon something with eyes wide open at something remarkable, thus differing from simply voluntary observation, not merely mechanical or passive, 
but to look at something that people are going to say, what? And they're going to just freak out over it. Well, that wasn't the Revelation 12 sign because nobody could actually see the Revelation 12 sign unless you looked a little bit at night and a little bit early in the morning before the sun. The real event is what's about to kick everything off. And whether that's a meteor and there's a whole, there's a whole revelation behind that, there's something coming that we're going to see right before the moment or right around that time of the pre-trib escape of Luke 21. So the way I word it, I word it as the pre-trib escape, the mid-trib is the, is the rapture that everybody talks about, and the post-trib is when the Lord returns feet down on the Mount of Olives. They are all true, and, you know, we know they, they've, it's caused division within churches <clears throat> and division among Christians and friends and so forth because it's easy to bounce around. It's easy to go into Matthew, and when you see what I'm going to share with you, it's easy to see what Matthew's discourse is saying truly is post-trib. And we're going to get into why everybody thinks it's pre as we go further into it. You're going to see that Mark's is mid-trib, and you're going to see that Luke's, the reason it's so vastly different is because it is the pre. And when you see the, the, the time frame of tribulation, it's, this is where people start to freak out. When I get into the revelation of the actual end of days and how long that portion is, um, people panic and say, that's impossible. You know, it's supposed to be shorter. Well, you're going to see it revealed all throughout Scripture, but it's a great thing because you're going to realize that it's sooner than if it was only seven years. And that's very good to know. That's very good understanding. So what happened here is in this great wonder that appears, and we read through Revelation 12.1, and we go to Revelation uh, 12.2.3, you know, there appeared a great red dragon, uh, seven heads, uh, seven horns. Uh, we get to Revelation 12.5. And this is what struck me on September 8th as I was reading this. In verse 5, it says, For she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, everybody will tell you that that is the rapture. And I'm here to tell you, they're absolutely correct. That is the great multitude rapture of the mid-trib. That is the great multitude rapture in Revelation chapter 7 between the end of the sixth seal before the seventh seal starts. That's why it's there. It is the great multitude rapture that is called was caught up. So I had an issue with this because when we go to Revelation 12.1 and we, we, read, we continue to read into Revelation 12.2, it says, And she, being with child, cried, travailing and pained to be delivered. That was what caught me. If everybody was pointing to Revelation 12.5 as the rapture of the was caught up, and yet we see in, in verse 2, that she's, cry, she's crying, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered, I suddenly, uh, an old teaching had come to me that people used to share or still do share from Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 66, verse 7. Before she travailed, 
she brought forth. Before her pain came, she was delivered of a man-child. So if we just take the first part of Isaiah 6, uh, 66, verse 7, before she travailed, she brought forth. So if Revelation 12, 2 is saying in verse 2 that at that point she's now travailing, then before that she already brought forth. She already brought forth before she travailed, which means there's a mystery in the actual revelation, in the actual understanding of, the, of Luke chapter 21, 36. Because when you read the rest of Revelation 12 there, you see then there's the travail, then there's the pain, then there's the dragon, then the seven heads, ten horns, the, the, the tail, and then you have the bringing forth of the man-child and the was caught up. So clearly there's something going on that, uh, that there's a bringing forth before her travail. That, brother, is the revelation of the priest bride of Christ. And now let's go into it and show you some of this because you're going to see how this period of time that, that we're talking about pre-trib is just before the white horse rider. And I don't know what you or your listeners think you uh, or believe you understand in relation to the white horse rider, but I can prove biblically that the white horse rider is 100% the son of man. Remember what it just said in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 7. Before she travailed, she brought forth. That's the pre-trib. And then while she's travailing, but before the pain comes, she brought forth a man-child. That's not the one from Revelation 12, 5. That's all still connected in Revelation 12, verse 2. Because in Revelation 12, verse 2, we have there, there's an escape before her travailing. And then from Isaiah, there's a bringing forth during this time that 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 represents the travailing and then we know from isaiah 66 7 that it's before the pain so the travailing in revelation 12 2 also represents a period of time that is before the word pain in revelation 12 2 and that word for pain is to torture pain toil torment toss vex it's the word for tribulation absolutely incredible and you're going to be able to see this now as we start to go into the Gospels. And this is where, as we go into the differences within the Gospels, we're also going to go into the discourse as we go throughout this, and then we'll reveal this time frame that is crystal clearly given to us in Scripture in all of these typologies. We, like I said, I'm not going to go, we don't have time to go to the creation, but I can show you even the creation by going to Second Peter chapter 3 and taking it back to the creation. It's, it's incredible. But if we go, let me start with, these, with uh, the, the simple ones that we talk about in the intro series about the differences in the Gospels and what they're actually telling us. Now, when you go to Luke chapter 23, verse 11, you see that when Jesus was was taken and he was about to be crucified it says that he was arrayed in a gorgeous robe well the word gorgeous means white radiant beautiful when you go to mark's story and you go to mark 
chapter 15, in verse 17, it says, and they clothed them with purple. What? What's going on here? Why does he have purple? And then when you go to Matthew in chapter 27, you come to verse 28, and it says they stripped him and put him in a scarlet robe. So the question first is, is there colorblind? Like, what's happening here? And as over the years, this was one of the very early revelations, and it was a sister that found it within the ministry and shared it as we were bringing about all of this revelation of these differences in the Gospels, and there are dozens and dozens of them. When this was happening, we would go to pastors. So we've talked to some throughout the ministry, have spoken to their pastors. I never heard one who said, oh, yeah, there's purple and there's gorgeous. I mean, yeah, they all thought the only one that Jesus was arrayed in was scarlet. And the, the reason for it is because everybody's foundation comes from the gospel of Matthew. They, they, even from the seminaries, what happens is we had a guy who uh, I think he's still in the ministry out in Vancouver, and he went to seminary school. It was five years of seminary school. And I said, I'll bet you if you go look through your notes of seminary school, you're going to probably find 90% gospel-related is – 90% of it is going to be from Matthew. You're going to probably find maybe 8 or 9% from – you'll be lucky to find 1 or 2% studies that go into Luke. He came back, and he, he sent me an email, or he called me. I can't remember what it was. It was a few years ago. And, and he says, oh, my goodness. You're absolutely right. I was struggling like crazy to find anything from Mark and even struggling more to find anything from Luke. And so it wasn't a surprise to hear the pastors and everybody else say, well, what do you mean there was purple and there was gorgeous? Well, now let me ask you this in these differences. What are the tribulation colors? Is, is, the, is, is white a part of tribulation? Or is the woman riding the beast arrayed in purple? And scarlet. You see, she's arrayed in purple and scarlet. White, a gorgeous, white, beautiful robe, is for the bride of Christ. Well, let me show you now something else. See, that's generally the opening tidbit that we give to, to begin to see these differences. And many, many people have understood that there are so many differences within the Gospels. In fact, it's one of the reasons that some people say Christianity is, is just man-made religion. Look at all these differences. It's the thing that Muslims will point to and say, well, look at all these differences. And what we've been told within the church is that it's simply uh, a perspective. So if I had 300 people in a room, this third might see it this way, this third is seeing it from here, and this third is seeing it from there. And as much as these things do, did play in the is, the, the true purposeful revelation of them is the understanding in the is to come. That's why when we go to uh, Ecclesiastes 1.9, you have what was shall be and what is shall be. So that means everything that was from creation in the was, is it has typologies in it that will play out in the is to come. Well, that's like, what, a couple thousand plus years, right? And then you have the is which is from Christ until the pre-trib escape, that is also filled with understanding and typologies 
for the is to come as well. So you've got, what, 5,000 years or so of flesh from Adam time, but it goes much further than that. That is the was and the is that are going to play out in this period of time of the end of days. So what played out over thousands is going to play out over this number of years. And so that is the revelation that comes from this, is being able to pull out all of the typologies from in the beginning to the end of Revelation and being able to tie it all together. So when we come now and we go to Luke when Jesus is on the cross, when Jesus is on the cross, now this is one that most people have heard of. When you go to Luke's gospel, when Jesus is on the cross in Luke 23, 46, it says, when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my Well, if those are the final words that Jesus said on the cross, why did Luke have it recorded as that? Whereas when you go to Mark and to Matthew, you have in Mark, for example, it's the same in Matthew's, you have in 1534 of Mark, uh, in the ninth hour, Christ, Elo, uh, Eloi, Eloi, Lama, uh, and then the other word, I'm not going to pronounce it, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So Luke is saying, into your arms I commend my spirit. Luke is the one referenced as gorgeous arrayed in white. And then you've got Mark and Matthew, tribulation colors, and you've got both of them in their typology saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, this is why a program like eSword that I use, it's a free program, I think maybe a couple bucks a year, I have no affiliation to it, that when you have something like this where you can have the, 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 the concordance at your fingertips, your understanding will explode as you get understanding of the words. Because if you're just reading them, you may not understand that woman can mean uh, whore, that woman could mean, uh, uh, um, what is it, uh, you know, the matrix of the womb. It, it can mean a number of things. It can mean wife, you know. It has a number of meanings. But to understand the context, you need to have the strong. And so when we read that here with, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do we really think that Jesus thought he was forsaken? Well, if you click on the word forsaken, which is the Greek word 1459, guess what it means? To leave behind. To leave behind. So whereas Luke is into your arms, Father, I commend my spirit, Mark and Matthew are saying, my God, my God, why have you left me behind? You see, now you're starting to see there's these differences between them, and yet Mark and Matthew in this case are both the same because they're both what? They're both going to be here during the tribulation. They're both going to have their portion. And when you understand how this relates to everything being foundationally taught from the gospel of Matthew, even though the entire world of church generally knows that Matthew is written to the Jews, we teach everything from the Gospel of Matthew. Yet it's the portion to the Jews. So you're going to come to see that when people are talking about pre-trib and they think everybody who claims the name of Christ is going pre-trib, where they actually are is at the end of Mark's Gospel, multitude rapture, which means they're here as Mark's, why have you left me behind, 
during SEALs. And <laughs> this is going to be a lot as you come to take this in, as you're looking over the scriptures, seek these things out for yourself. Let's go to another one. Let's go this time, let's get going into this, into the gospel, uh, sorry, into the discourses. When we get into the discourses of this, it really, again, is going to be right in your face. But you know the only way to get it is if you have the Strong's Concordance at your fingertips. Whether you have the big book you want to open up or whether you get a, a software program free or paid for, whatever you want to do, it makes all the difference. Let me give you an example. And this one is one of our favorites as well. This is all part of the, the three things that we open with in talking about these things. So when we come to the coming of the Son of Man in Luke's discourse, and we're starting in, 20, in Luke 21, verse 25. Remember how we said, uh, remember I was saying that in Revelation 12, 1, when the actual Revelation 12, 1 begins, we're going to see this, this meteor, this sign, this whatever this is that's coming, which I do believe is a meteor, whether it breaks up, where it hits, how it hits, I don't know. But I do believe that before it hits, the bride is gone, that, that Gentile pre-trib bride. And that'll open up a whole other can of worms because there is a pre-bride like Leah. There is the Jewish bride at the end. And then I heard you talking about uh, a couple of minutes before going live um, that, that you, were, you had mentioned about his land and the bride being his land and so forth. You're absolutely correct. That one, though, comes at the end of the millennial reign, which I'm sure you understand is uh, Revelation 21. I actually just did a huge teaching yesterday, three and a half hours last night. And the end piece was about that revelation. You have the pre-trib bride, you have the post-trib bride, and then you have his land bride, which is Revelation 21, which comes from, you could see it even in Isaiah 62, verse 4 and 5. So as we're looking at this now in Luke and remembering what Revelation 12, 1 said with her being what? The sun and the moon and the stars. Well, let's have a look at what Luke 21, 25 says. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. Doesn't that sound like Revelation 12:1? And upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the seas and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Now, whether this is, you know, the fallen angels, that's, some people might think that it's not happening yet. You're going to understand, hopefully, depending on the kind of time we have, by, by later on when we go into Revelation 12 deeper, you're going to see the time frame when the pit is open, when, when Satan is cast down, having lost, lost his battle, and when the pit is opened. And that's literally going to be the hell on earth. But portion of time, that also comes before that, which is sealed before this other stuff happens in trumpets. So we see this Revelation 12, 1 verse being broken down for us here in Luke 21, 25. And then you see what's happening on the earth with everybody freaking out in Luke 21, 26. Now listen to what it says next in 27 and 28. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, singular, in. Okay, that word in is the Greek word 1722, which literally means in. So not everybody is going to see him. 
only those who are in Christ spirit filled, ready for the pre-trib, like like Enoch, who are who were diligently seeking him, believing he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who have faith and believe that he is God. That's the group that's going first. And what so many people have missed in this is that the the Lord's entire story is a harvest. And if you've ever heard teachings on a harvest, and you've ever gone through it, I'm not going to go into each detail of each one, except to say there's a big overarching picture of the end of days, which is a And how does a harvest work? Do they just go in and swoop the whole field at once according to scripture? No. There is a first fruits that goes first. So Jesus dealt with barley. Let's look at the whole field now as just, for example, as wheat. There's a first fruits of wheat, and that first fruits is 10%. Then you've got 90% of the field that remains. That 90% of the field is the main harvest, which would be your great multitude rapture, but not all of it is taken because you have to leave the corners and things that fall on the ground along the way, which is called corners and gleanings. So you have your pre-first fruits, you have your mid-great multitude or main harvest, and then at the end, it's your corners and gleanings. That is the overarching picture of pre-mid and post. Now, when we come here, in, again, into Luke 21, 27, and it says, this is how they see him coming in a cloud with power and great glory, and when these things begin to look up, begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Your redemption is now near, is, is at hand. It's about to happen. Now, if you remember, you know, maybe many of you guys um, uh, on your, on your uh, podcast have heard or seen the, the, the movie Don't Look Up. It was an absolute mockery of Luke chapter 21. It was, it was a crystal clear mockery of Luke 21 because we are told that when we see this coming, to look up. So what are we seeing coming? So what did it say? It said, and when these things begin to come to pass, look up. So when do they begin? They begin in verse 25. When there shall be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and upon the earth perplexity. So now all of a sudden, people are looking up. They're seeing this thing coming. They're panicking around the world. And at that point, keep looking up because everybody in Christ's spirit filled, get ready. Your pre-trib is here at hand. So here's, here's the insight to it. It said coming in a cloud, in a cloud. And the word cloud, it's singular. Now, if we go to Mark's discourse and we go to Mark 13, you see in Mark 13, starting in verse uh, 24, it says, but in those days after that tribulation. So all of a sudden, that means these, this group was during a part of trip, And it said that, after that tribulation. So what, is there something else coming after it? Yes, definitely, because that's Matthew's portion. And, and one of the questions is, well, if that's Matthew's portion and Matthew's portion is to the Jews, then where were they during the portion of Mark, which is to the world, the, the house of Israel with the Gentiles grafted in, that, that great multitude rapture at the end, at the, between the end of the sixth seal and the start of the seventh seal? Where, where, where was Matthew, where, where was Judah during all of this? 
Well, they were removed from the land. When you talk about time from crib to when World War III will start, and when World War III starts, it begins with the destruction of Jerusalem because the Lord God will not build on his defiled land for their disobedience in it until it has had its Sabbath years of rest since capturing Jerusalem. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And you could see it. If you want to understand it, go read Leviticus chapter 26. It's there. You want to see what happens to the world and probably starting with America being the, the quote-unquote partner with Israel, you know, depending who's in office. But you want to see what's most likely starting in America, go read Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's the beginning there. You want to see what happens in Jerusalem, go see Leviticus chapter 26. So when we come here in Matthew 13, starting 24, and we see, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be dark and the moon shall not give her light, stars of heaven fall, and so forth. Then we come to verse 26, and it says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the cloud, oh, S, clouds, plural, and it's still the same word, the Greek word 1722 for the word in, but it's not singular cloud anymore. It's plural clouds with power and great glory. And, and the entire conversation is different. There was no looking up. There wasn't any tribulation that came first in Luke, except you're going to see this and bang, get ready to go. Why? Because as you opened with Luke 21, 36, watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Hallelujah. This is not that conversation. This one here goes on to say, and then shall he send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of heaven to the uttermost, uh, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. But you obviously saw that it was after a particular tribulation, and it says in the clouds, plural. Well, now, let's go to Matthew chapter 24. And when we come to Matthew chapter 24, guess what? You're absolutely going to see it different yet again. Here we come in Matthew 24, verse 29. Guess what's missing right off the bat? There's no after that tribulation. So the word that implies that that was that one, but there, there's still something else coming. And that's the portion of the seven years of trumpets. So you're going to see where I'm going with what seals was. And I'm going to prove it out to you. But in Matthew 24, 29, it says immediately after the tribulation of those days. So the conversation sounds similar, the sun, the moon, and so forth. Verse 30 then goes on to say, listen to this. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, if you didn't have a Strong's Concordance, you would say, well, that sounds like Mark. But it's not. This is so fascinating. You see, because when it says, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, plural. Guess what the word in is? The word in, in this instance, is the Greek word 1909, which means on. Which means on. So this is telling you at the end of tribulation, they're going to see him coming on the clouds. 
when he comes on the clouds, what period of time is it? It's when the whole world is going to see him from one end unto the other. There's no longer going to be any more preaching about Jesus Christ because the whole world will have seen him at that point. This is showing you the pre, the mid, and the post, and it's all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Gospels. Let me give you another example. By going into this, this pre-trib and showing you a difference within the Gospels again. If we go into Luke chapter 9, this one was so incredible. Now, we had understood part of it for a while, but the difference that you're about to read and how it's so different than Mark's and so different than Matthew's was, was a real head-scratcher for a while in Luke when you hear about the amount of time compared to what Mark and Matthew both say, which I had understood for about a year and a half before I finally got the revelation of Luke's. Now, listen to what it says, starting in Luke 9, verse 26. And whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and, his, and in his father's and of the holy angels. Now, here it is. Here's your pre-trib group. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. So what do you have there? There's no, there's no past tense. It's you're going to bang, see the kingdom of God, which means everybody that's in Christ isn't going to be dead when this happens. There's going to be a group taken before everything starts, as we just showed, and that is the group. The next thing you're going to see, bang, is the kingdom of God. So when you look up, as you see this coming, and when you look up and the kingdom of God, this is it. This is that moment in Luke 9, 27. And look at what it says in verse 28. We've got a, we've got a video on, uh, on the YouTube channel, which is pre, mid, and post. And in it, we show how the resurrection story, the transfiguration story, and the triumphal entry stories all have built-in typologies in Luke, Mark, and Matthew of pre, mid, and post. And maybe you've heard of this before, that, you know, when you see things as days, sometimes they can be counted as years. Sometimes things are as years, they can be counted as days. Kind of like uh, Enoch, for example. Enoch was taken, he was 365 years. It's relating to something to the father as, as, a, as a year end, which, by the way, the father counts the Feast of Weeks, when you truly understand where it is. Most people have understood, and it's been passed down through centuries, that Enoch was taken at the Feast of Weeks at true Feast of Weeks. But again, I don't want to go down a, a whole rabbit trail there because we'd be here for another 10 hours. But when you understand that and you see that he was 365 and the Lord took him, well, you can look at that and understand that the Lord is taking the pre-trib group as Enoch, like Hebrews 11 said, in that, at that 365th day. Now, the, the mystery of it is, is what is that day to the Father? Well, we understand that mystery now. But even when I say uh, uh, the, it's the Feast of Weeks, you really must understand where true Feast of Weeks is. But we're going to leave that aside because we're not going down that trail today. But I want to show you this difference right here. In Luke 9:28, it says, And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings. 
So after what things? Well, the ones that were just before it. You know, whosoever's ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed. They'll be ashamed. I'll be ashamed. I won't say to my father and so forth. And then it says, you know, those who are standing here, some of you that will not taste of death till you see the kingdom of God. Then he says, about in eight days after these things, let's go to Mark. And when we go to Mark chapter 9, we can start in verse 1. It says, and he said unto them, verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death. Now listen to this. Till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Now you've got to start scratching your head. That's past tense. There's something that this group of Mark will have seen coming. The kingdom of God come with power. But they will have seen it come, but they still didn't get to go. It's coming, but they still didn't get to go right away. And then listen to what it says. There's six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John. Well, wait a second. That is an absolute clear contradiction. And the revelation of it has never been understood. Well, it is here. This, it, this mystery of this is revealed, and it is all about prophecy. The after six days is the typology of after six years, which is, and I'm going to break this all down. Everybody's going to take a big gasp because <laughs> your audience is all new to this revelation. What you're going to see that this after six days is a typology of the end of the first six years of seals. Now, it doesn't mean each seal is one year long. That's not the case. But the seals, really, the, the red horse rider to the end of the sixth seal is going to play out over six years. The white horse rider is before the, the quote-unquote tribulation begins. There's a period of time. I'm going to show it to you. There's a period of time before the, the quote-unquote tribulation begins with the attack on Jerusalem. And this period of time that Paul calls above is a period of time that is clearly 100% been revealed here. It is a 50-day period of time that comes before the attack on Jerusalem and the beginning of the actual tribulation. Now, in that 50-day period, is it going to be tribulation? Well, of course it is. There's going to be the vanishing of tens of millions of people pre-trib. There's going to be an attack in northern Israel. It's going to be a light war that, it, that lasts for a short period of time before they settle it. And all of this, and a meteor is coming within that first week of the 50 days. All of this, of course, is going to be tribulation. However, the actual tribulation of these years count won't begin until the end of those 50 days and Jerusalem is attacked. So from the point of Jerusalem attacking, this says in, nine, in uh, Mark 9, verse 2, after six days. So at the end of those first six years, what are they going to see coming? Well, they will have seen the kingdom of God come with power. So you've got Luke's group going to a portion of the kingdom of God. You've got Mark's group going to a portion of the kingdom of God. And Mark's here is giving us the, the typology in days as years after the sixth year, which means at the end of the sixth year of seals, they're going to see something coming. Well, how about that? What if we go to Revelation chapter 6, 
and see what happens at the end of Revelation chapter 6. Let's read verse 16 and 17 of Revelation chapter 6. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Hello. What are they seeing coming? They're, they're seeing something coming from heaven above that is panicking and freaking out the world that in verse 15, we see the kings of the earth, great men, rich men, captains, free, bond, all hiding into caves and in the mountains. And they're saying what? Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. Which means at the end of the sixth year of seal, the first six years of seals, they're seeing the Lord coming with the, the kingdom of God with power and might. But guess what? It's completely different than Luke's. Luke's, it was look up when you see this happen and bang, you're about to go. In Mark's, it says they will have seen. It's a past tense. Well, where are they seeing it? They're seeing it at the end of the sixth year of seal, seals, which is why when you go to Revelation 7, the first thing you're seeing is the sealing of the 144,000. And there's a whole story of the 144,000. There's actually a worker group during the time of seals who are going to help wake up the, the entire church in the greatest revival in human history that will take place during the tribulation of seals, Antichrist midway through, false prophet midway through. But the first about two and a half years of seals is the word for pain that we saw in Revelation 12 too. That word for pain is the about two and a half years that'll be World War III that breaks out starting from uh, the attack on Jerusalem. So this group here of the 144, we know are going to help bring in the great multitude rapture with the remnant of those workers that have survived during the time of seals. And now when we get to Revelation 7, verse 9, we see after this, and lo, a great multitude which no man can number. There's your great multitude rapture. Did it happen immediately when they saw him coming at the end of the sixth year of seals? Nope. They will have seen it come. You know what they're seeing? It's, it, it's so mind-boggling. When this revelation came to me about, oh, maybe three and a half or so years ago, maybe four, it, it, I, I was so floored. I called it the, the most important. I was so excited. I called it the most important end-time video anybody had seen to that point. And crazier stuff has happened since. You know what's happening here? You can even read it. If you go to, like, uh, the apocryphal book of Second Esdras, it literally tells you. And I'll give you an example. In the Apocrypha of Second Esdras, in chapter 13, verse 29, it starts with the Most High coming to deliver those who are on the earth. That's the pre-trip. Then it says, bewilderment of mine shall come on all those who dwell on the earth. Well, that's what Luke 21 said. They'll all be caught off guard. And then it says, they shall plan to make war against each other, neighbor against neighbor, people against people, kingdom against kingdom, city against city. Then all these things will come to pass that I told you about earlier, Ezra. Then shall my son be revealed, uh, as you saw, coming up from the sea. The nations will leave this fighting they had against each other, and they'll come to fight against them. And listen to what it says 
and innumerable multitudes shall be gathered together, as you saw, desiring to come to conquer him. And listen to what verse 35 says. But he shall stand on top of Mount Zion, and Zion will come to be made manifest to all people, prepared and built. Well, wait a second. We've all been told when he comes at the end, he's coming feet down on the Mount of Olives. Well, he is. But that's not till the end of trumpets. We're talking about something they're seeing coming at the end of the six days or at the end of the sixth year of trumpets, which is hide their face to hide it from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. You see, this is, this is precisely what Mark is talking about in chapter 9 when he's saying, they will have seen the kingdom of God come with power and glory. Before we go to, Mark, before we go to Matthews, I'm going to jump in with another piece of this, and that's going to the story of the Last Supper. You go to the story of the Last Supper in Luke and in Mark. In Luke, we're in chapter 22, and we see this, this, Another typology, another glimpse into it here, where in Luke 22, verse 11, it says, you know, go to the good man of the house, say, my master, where's the guest chamber? And then you get to verse 12, and it says, and he shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. Now, it's only furnished, but the word room is the Greek word 508. That means above ground. And it's only used twice in Scripture. When you go to Mark's account of this story, in Mark chapter 14, we see in verse 14 of Mark 14, and, okay, who is serving? You go, verse 15, it says, and he will show you a large upper room, so there it is again, furnished and prepared. Furnished and prepared. So when we go look at it to the Apocrypha, and we see that this place is prepared and built, and the only one within the context of the three Gospels that has a place prepared, which is in direct correlation to when he's coming at the end of the sixth year of seals on this heavenly Mount Zion, they're not all going to see and fully understand what's going on, but those who are in Christ at that point, having even just proclaimed Christ as Lord and Savior, They're going to see the Lord, and they're what? They will have seen it come, and this great multitude rapture of those that survive are going to be taken in that great multitude rapture. And where are they going? To the place where he's coming with Mount Zion, the the stone carved without hand from a place he didn't see that became a great mountain, paired and built. That's That's to the end of the six years of seals. When we go to now Matthew, and even if we go into Matthew 26 in relation to the, the, uh, the Passover, that, the story isn't there. It, it doesn't even exist there. If we go to Matthew uh, 26, verse 18, it says, And he said, Go into the city to such a man and say unto him, Thy, The master saith, My time is at hand. 
I will keep the Passover at, my, at thy house with my disciples. That's the end of the story. You see, there, theirs isn't an upper room. You see, the Jews promise for Matthew, which is Judah, their promise is the millennial reign. So when he returns, he's now going to be what? He's going to remain with them until the end of the world. And lo and behold, if you go to the very end of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting in verse, nine, in, in verse 19 and 20, the last two verses, it says, well, actually, let's start in verse 18. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Where do we see that in Revelation? At the seventh trumpet. At the end of the sixth year of trumpets, Jesus will return, which will be a total of, I'll break it down in a moment, it'll be the end of 13 years, and he's going to be here for that final year, restoring the earth as we know. He's going to destroy, as we see when he comes feet down on the Mount of Olives in Isaiah chapter, uh, sorry, in Zechariah chapter 14. He's going to destroy all the enemies, bind Satan, and then what happens? You see it in Ezekiel. In Ezekiel chapter 47, water goes out from the throne. He's going to renew the earth. And then what happens? He's going to bring them and all the tribes receive their portion of their land. Everything gets restored to them in their portions of their land. And that is precisely the final jubilee at the end of that final year for a total of 14 years. And listen to what it says here. In Matthew 28, 19, as we continue on, it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. You see, when we're all taught from Matthew, we all think that, you know, and you could use it in our general life, you know, the Lord is with us because he's in us. Yes, because we're living in the is. But the prophetic revelation of the understanding of this is now he is here. He has returned feet down on the Mount of Olives. He's destroyed the enemies. He's replenishing. And he's telling them, go out. This refers to the 12 tribes. They're going to be the gates through which people come to honor the Lord and to worship the Lord during the millennial reign. And this is why he's saying, now I'm with you even until the end of the world. So if we then go into Matthew 16, and we come to the end of Matthew 16, verse 28, we end up seeing this, this part that we were talking about, about in eight days after six, and now we're coming to Matthews. In 28, 16, 28, it says, Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. When is he coming in his kingdom? At the end of trumpets. At the end of the 13th year of tribulation. It's seven of seals and it is seven of trumpets. He's coming at the end of the sixth year on heavenly Mount Zion, which is what they're seeing at the end of the sixth seal. And at the end of the, the sixth year of trumpets, which is the end of 13 years total, they're seeing him coming from one end unto the other as lightning coming on the clouds with his kingdom. And it says, they shall not taste of death. And when we go to chapter 17, verse 1, it says, and after six days. So you have the end of the six years of seals. He's coming on 
Well, he's not coming on Mount Zion. I mean, on, on uh, feet down on the Mount of Olives. He's coming on heavenly Mount Zion. And then there's another one where we know he's coming on feet down on the Mount of Olives, which is at the end of 13, to do a cleanup in that final year. And if you've ever studied uh, a, a Jewish wedding, the ancient Jewish wedding, they would make an, a, an agreement between a young child and, and a neighboring daughter. And when she becomes of age, which is 13 years old, they get married, and then he leaves, and he prepares the place in his father's house for one year, and then he returns, and then there's the final wedding. What do you, that, that's the picture of the end of days. It's 13 years, and then the final year. And it is all throughout Scripture. And I'm going to show you this revelation of 14 years very quickly, but I'm also going to show you that he comes on heavenly Mount Zion at the end of the sixth year and is here for a period of time on heavenly Mount Zion. And here's one of those things that should have had everybody scratching their head. And because most people couldn't understand it, they think that all of these 144,000 must be people in heaven with their supernatural bodies coming with the lamb. But listen to what it says in Revelation 14.1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion. And with them, the 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. Well, hold on a second. At the end of the sixth year of seals, we see him coming. We can prove that it's, it's heavenly Mount Zion that he's coming with, that, that mountain carved without hand. We know that he seals the 144,000 first. And here in Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, we see the lamb standing on Mount Zion with the 144,000. That's, that's, that's not feet down on the Mount of Olives. So now watch this. Let me prove this out to you and take you into the book of Zechariah. The book of Zechariah has... 14 chapters and the only other book with 14 chapters is the book of Hosea Hosea is written to quote unquote the Gentiles with with the house of Israel right the the Gentiles are grafted in the book of Zechariah is written to Judah it's written to the Jews listen to what it says in Zechariah 14 in Zechariah 14 it's a picture of about the fourth year of seals and it says the hands of Zerubbabel so there's going to be a modern day type Zerubbabel has laid have laid the foundations and his hands shall also finish it. So the foundation is going to be laid after Jerusalem is destroyed, as we read in Jeremiah chapter 4. But then the Lord says, I'm not going to completely destroy it, but it's going to be destroyed. We know a group is going to be brought back, but all they're going to get built is the foundation during the time of seals. Then what happens? Well, the end of chapter 7, you go to chapter 8, it's as if we're at the beginning now of trumpets. So he was seen coming. At the end of the sixth year of seals, during the seventh year of seals, the 144,000 are sealed. The great multitude are brought in. And then you have the seventh seal, which I believe is about a six-month or so period of time, seven to five to seven months, which the Lord himself is the one who makes the covenant. You see, when you come to realize that the differences in the Gospels are the different portions of time, that Luke's represents the, the, the 50 day portion above the 14 years, and it's seven of seals and seven of trumpets for Luke and for, uh, for Mark and for Matthew, all of it makes sense. You can now understand why there's been debates between pre, mid, and post. 
And when you understand that it's all because we've been taught from a foundation in Matthew, you come to realize that, oh, my goodness, what they've done is, is they've twisted everything of seals and trumpets together and sandwiched them in a twisting together to say that it's all together at the same time. So what they end up thinking is that the Jews are going to believe that the Antichrist is the Savior and he's going to rebuild the temple, and they're going to fall for him, and then the Antichrist is going to step into the temple that he rebuilt and declare himself God. Well, that's absolutely not true. What's going to happen when you realize it's two portions of time, of sevens, Jerusalem is destroyed, they're removed from the land for seven years for the disobedience, and they're scattered everywhere. During that time, only a remnant will be brought back to rebuild with Zerubbabel, the modern-day Zerubbabel, to, re, to, to lay the foundation. And what ends up happening is it, only the foundation gets laid. Antichrist comes on the scene with the false prophet, and then it'll be like Matthew says in his discourse, at that abomination, it's the abomination standing where it ought not. That abomination standing where it, not, where it ought not is the one in the flesh. Because it's still the time of the Gentiles till the end of seals. And during the time of the Gentiles, the Lord dwells within us. Which means that great multitude rapture group is there. The Lord is still dwelling within them. So what is it during the time of Middish seals when Antichrist comes on the scene? It's the mark of the beast. Then what happens at the end of the sixth year of seals? The Lord is coming on heavenly Mount Zion and... When you go to uh, Daniel chapter 7, you see the first beast, the second beast, the third beast. The, the lion is Assad coming to destroy Jerusalem. The second beast, everybody knows, is the bear of Russia in World War III. That breaks out shortly after Jerusalem is, is destroyed. And then you have the leopard, which is probably the, 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 the control center, if you will, of what's going on with uh, Europe and all up in that stuff with the World Economic Forum and all that other stuff. And then it says the fourth beast. And you get the description of the fourth beast, which gives you the description of Revelation 13. And he will take power over the first beast, the second beast, the third beast. And he's now given 42 months. So two and a half years of World War III, Antichrist comes on the scene. You have Mark's abomination, and it's the mark of the beast. And it says it'll now be a time such as it never was on earth till this time. That'll bring you to the end of 42 months, to the end of the sixth year of seals. When the Lord is coming on heavenly Mount Zion, and what does it say in Daniel chapter 7? It says that he destroys the beast, but all those, all the other ten and the false prophet, all that, they had their dominion taken away, but their lives were, were prolonged for a season in time. But the, but the beast was killed. And then it says, then I saw one like unto the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven to the Father. That's the Lord. That is the Lord, and he's going to make a covenant at about that time frame of that last portion of the seventh year of seals. And look at what we see now coming back to Zechariah chapter 8. Zechariah chapter 8. In Zechariah chapter 1, the Lord says he was jealous for Zion, for Jeru uh, he was jealous for Jerusalem, and then he brought about the affliction. You come to Zechariah chapter 8, and you start in verse 2, and it says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with a great jealousy. I was. I was jealous for Zion with a great jealousy. I was jealous for her with a great fury. Thus, listen to this. This is awesome. Here it is again. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion 
and I will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called a city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. You come down to verse 9, and it then says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, you that hear in these days the words by the mouth of the prophets, which were in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid, that the temple might be built. For before these days, there was no hire for man, nor hire for beast, neither was there any peace, which is taken at the red horse rider, uh, neither was there any peace to him that went out or came in because of the affliction that he said happened in, in Zechariah chapter 1. For, listen to this, for I set all men, what is that? That is the red horse rider. The red horse rider is when the Ezekiel 21 son of man typology of Ezekiel says, the Lord tells him, tell Israel, tell Jerusalem, tell them I'm about to give the sword. I have furbished the sword. It is ready. I'm about to give it to the slayer. That is the period of time of the red horse rider when Jerusalem is attacked and World War III starts to break out throughout the earth. That is at the red horse rider. So what did we see? We see that it's the Lord there on Mount Zion just as we know it's coming at the end of the sixth seal. Then we see that he was on Mount Zion with the 144,000, and here we are in a picture of the beginning of trumpets, and he's now saying, look, I'm no longer jealous. The rapture group has already come in, and we know that the Jews are going to come in, and I'm going to explain that. We know the Jews then also come in, the house of Judah, and the temple is now about to be rebuilt. The temple is now about to be rebuilt. Who's rebuilding it? Well, the Lord's there. We know it's Zerubbabel. It's said in Zechariah 4. So the modern-day Zerubbabel, who laid the foundation, is going to build it. But Yeshua, Joshua, the high priest and king, is also going to be there. And he is the high priest, King Melchizedek, from Psalms 110. And that Melchizedek, high priest and king, said what? That he's going to what? Rule in the midst of his enemies. So even though there's still craziness going on during the first half of trumpets, as we know, that is when the temple gets built. Now, this temple will be built in about the first three and a half years of trumpets. But it's Zerubbabel with the Lord, the Lord over the 144,000 as the high priest and king, and Zerubbabel ruling with them, overseeing the rebuilding of the temple. When the temple is now rebuilt, you can go to Zechariah chapter 11, and it says in verse 2, Howl, howl, fir tree, for the cedar is fallen because the mighty are spoiled. Howl, you oaks of Bashan, for the forest of the vintage is come down. This is the first woe. This is the fifth trumpet now when Satan is cast down. The pit is opened, and this is the, Mar, uh, the, the Matthew discourse of the abomination of desolation. There are two portions to the abomination of desolation, and that's why Matthew's abomination of desolation says, not standing where it ought not, it says standing in the holy place. Because during the first half of trumpets, the Lord who defeated the enemies of Israel, defeated the enemies of the Jews at the end of the sixth seal, is now there, and the temple is being rebuilt during with the city and the streets, and the wall is being rebuilt during the first half of trumpets. So who do you see is going to be there 
at the at, at uh, Revelation um, uh, uh, at the end of the seventh year of seals after the great multitude come in, or when you go and read further down in Zechariah eight when all this is about to begin at the start of trumpets, it says now the house of Israel and the house of Judah, it'll be no more tears. You know the fourth month, fifth, seventh, and tenth months will be no longer tears and fasting and mourning, but they will be joy. Why? Because the confusion, and I'll get back to Zechariah 11 in a second, but the confusion is we've all tried to sandwich, the world of church has tried to sandwich all of tribulation into seven years, and they just sandwiched it all together. And so the Christians believe that the temple is about to be built by the Antichrist, and then he's going to stand in it and declare himself God. But it's not the case. That's, they, they've taken two portions. The actual building is going to be there with Zerubbabel and Messiah during the first half of trumpets. And what do the Jews believe? You see, this is why the Christians are, are, are always butting heads with the Jews and saying, oh, you guys are going to fall for the Antichrist. When the fact is, what are they looking for? They are looking for a Messiah who has not yet fulfilled the destruction enemies, which he does, in the actual Ezekiel 39 war at the end of the sixth year of seals, and then what happens? Then they're looking for him to rebuild the temple. Precisely. They have understood what's coming for them in their portion. What they haven't understood is the first seven years of seals because it's not their portion, except they haven't realized that for their disobedience, they're going to be destroyed and removed from the land so the land can rest for seven years, and only a select group is going to come in for the foundation. You see, so they've understood it where the Christians are saying, no, it's not. But no, it's, it's the Lord who must build the foundation, uh, uh, build the temple. It's the Lord. We saw it at the end of the sixth seal. We saw it in Revelation 14. We saw it in Zechariah chapter uh, uh, 8. We, we saw it even in Second Ezra's being shared. We saw it even in Matthew, the place prepared. I mean, in Luke, uh, sorry, in Mark, the place prepared. So this, is, this unravels all of this confusion. And so what, when you go then to Zechariah 11, and you see that it's this time of the first woe when, when Satan is cast out. It's like Revelation chapter 12, I think, verse 9. Satan now loses his battle. That battle is the 1260 days, which was the first half of trumpets while everything was getting rebuilt. Then when Satan is cast down, guess what happens? Messiah, it says, has to break his covenant. Well, that means he, he's the one that had to make a covenant somewhere if he's going to break it. Let's see right here in Zechariah chapter 11. We'll go, let's, let's go to verse 8, and let me give you a description of how terrible it's going to be at mid-trumpets when all hell breaks loose. And the pit is open. Three shepherds also cut I off in one month. My soul loathed them, and their soul abhorred me. Then said I, I will not feed you. That that dieth, let die. That that be cut off, let it be cut off. Let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. And I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder. Now listen to this. That I might break my covenant, which I had made with, and verse 11 starts with, and it was broken in that day. When is that covenant? It's at the end of seals. This is why when we saw him coming in, in Daniel chapter 7 in the clouds of heaven to, to the ancient of days, he ends up making a covenant, and that causes the rebuilding 
in Jerusalem. And when mid-trumpets comes, about three and a half years this time into trumpets, you see that now Satan has been cast down. When, when Satan is cast down, Messiah has to break his covenant. And, of course, all craziness takes place. And what do we see? The abomination of desolation of Matthew, which is now when he steps into the holy place because the temple had been rebuilt. That is when Satan is cast down. The pit is open. And guess what? The false prophet never died. He had, his, he had his, his authority and his position and everything taken away, but he wasn't killed. Millions will have died in the battle, but only the leader of the Antichrist was killed. But when the pit is opened, the Antichrist is coming back. The Antichrist is coming back. You see, that's why in Revelation chapter 17, now you're going to understand this mystery as you've never understood it before. I'm positive. In Revelation chapter 17, it says um, – and the beast that comes out of the bottomless, the bottomless pit, what does it say about him? It says he was, he is not, and he shall be when he comes out of the bottomless pit. What on earth does that mean? The was was the 42 months after the first two and a half years of World War III for the first portion of seals. He's there for 42 months, as Revelation 13 says, when he has that time of the abomination of desolation and Mark starts. And if you go to Mark's uh, discourse, you're going to see that before the abomination of desolation, there is no mention of false prophets or false Christ. After the abomination of desolation, we read false prophets and false Christ. When you then go, he's now destroyed at the end of the sixth year of seals. We know what happens and the temple gets rebuilt. So he is not. So during the 1260 days of the two witnesses, he is not. Then when Satan is cast down and the pit is open, then he is, and what does it say? Who comes from the bottomless pit. You see, because that is when he returns, coming from the bottomless pit. And in Matthew, when you go to Matthew's discourse, Matthew's discourse, before the abomination of desolation takes place, in Matthew's discourse, guess what we read? We don't read false Christ, but you still read false prophets in Mark's. No false prophet, no false Christ. Abomination of desolation, false Christ, false prophets. We know the false Christ is killed at the end of seals, and only the false prophet remains. We go to the first half of trumpets, and what do you see in Matthew's discourse? Only false prophets mentioned, no false Christ. Then you have the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place, when at which point he would declare himself God. And what does it say after that? False Christ and false prophets again. It's all there. Absolutely mind-bending, incredible. And so when we go and see this point in, Rebel, in uh, Zechariah 11, which is that 11th year. So when 10 years is done, you're in the 11th year. So we're at about 10 and a half years in when Satan is cast down. And what do we see in Revelation chapter 12? In Revelation chapter 12, we see when Satan is cast down, it calls it the first woe. Okay, because it's the fifth trumpet. And when you go to it, it says in verse 14, it says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly away into the wilderness unto a place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half. Well, that means one plus two plus a half. That's three and a half years. That's the final three and a half years 
of trumpets that goes right to the end of the 14th year of tribulation. But I thought you said, Alan, that, that the Lord is coming feet down on the Mount of Olives at the end of 13. You're absolutely right, which means Satan's time when the pit is open, when he's cast down and the pit is open, Satan doesn't have all of those final three and a half years. He only has two and a half to take it from 10 and a half years to 13 years. Well, you know what? That's precisely what Daniel chapter 12 tells us. In Daniel chapter 12, we'll go to verse 7. So remember, now they're all there. Messiah has to break his covenant, and everybody is scattered. So he takes them into a place prepared, and everybody else gets scattered. Listen to what it says when Daniel, right, is crying out, and the angel is saying, oh, how long will it be in Daniel 12, verse 7? You know, how long will it be? And it says that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. You see, everybody has, has shared throughout all the years that Revelation 12, 14 and Daniel 12, 7 is the same amount of time. It's not. There's no and between a time, times. There's only a comma. There's no word and, which means it's one, two, and a half. Satan's time is two and a half years. And listen to what it says. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Which means at the end of his two and a half years, which brings us to the end of the 13th year of tribulation, leaving one year, all these things shall be finished. Well, when we go to Revelation chapter 10, what does it say? In Revelation chapter 10, it says, and when the seventh angel begins to sound, at the moment he starts to sound, the seventh trumpet, everything is finished. It's all finished, and he will be revealed. Why? Because that is when he's coming down on the clouds for the whole world to see from one end unto the other. And that's why you only see him coming as lightning from one end to the other in Matthew's discourse. You don't see it anywhere else. It's only in Matthew's discourse. The entire story is 13 years and then the 14th year plus that portion of the above 14. And let me show you where it is and, and really be able to reveal to you this revelation of 14 years. Here it is, right here in the typology. It, this is where it began, the 14 years for me, and then it opened up everywhere. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, it says, I knew a man in Christ. The ones that are in Christ are what we read about in Romans chapter 8. Right? It says those who are in Christ, spirit-filled. Maybe we're living in the flesh, but we're, doing, we're living by the spirit. So I knew a man in Christ. Now these, of course, are typologies of him, but it is prophetic for the end. So I knew a man in Christ above. So there's a period presents above. So above 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. And then it says, such and one caught up to the third heaven well that word such and one it doesn't mean was raptured it means it's like a rapture this is the pre-trib bride of christ luke 21 36 the gentile bride this is the leia pre-trib it's like a rapture so what does that mean what is it going to look like i have no idea but this first group who is in christ in the portion above 14 years is going to the third heaven, which is part of the kingdom of God. Then in verse 3, it says, 
and I knew such a man. See the difference? The first one is in Christ, and this one is like the other one, but not quite the same. In the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Verse 4 says how that he was caught up into paradise. Was caught up. Takes us all the way back to the beginning of the story of Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 5, what does it say? Was caught up. The second group is the great multitude of Revelation chapter 7 in about the midst of the seventh year of seals was caught up. And where are they going? They're going to paradise. Well, of course they're going to paradise because they saw it coming, heavenly Mount Zion coming with what? The mountain carved without hand. That's paradise. It's part of the kingdom of God. It's like the inner court for the first group and the outer court for the second group. There's a difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven has nothing to do with us. It's for Judah. It's their millennial reign on earth. So you've got the pre-trib in a period above the 14 years, which is the 50 days. You've got, and there's a whole revelation behind it. Luke's gospel, uh, Luke's discourse is about that. And then in the seventh year of seals, you have the was caught up great multitude to paradise. And then as we go down further in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says in verse 14, listen to this. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you. So the first one was a taking, the second one was a taking, and the third is coming. Pre, mid, post. It says, the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. For I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. Why? Because this is their time. This is his people. We're living in their portion of flesh. This is their time. That's why we're to pray for them, lift them up, strengthen them. We're living in their portion, and we were, we were graciously through the, through the Lord grafted in. That's why they've been blinded for the most part for us. We shouldn't be upset with them for it. We should be grateful and thanking them for it because it's our portion until it's no longer that time anymore and it goes to theirs. That's the end of seals. We know their time then is trumpets there with the Lord when everything's being rebuilt. But when it's all over and he then returns, because remember, he was cut off at mid-trumpets. They had to flee. He can't be here at the same time with Satan and Antichrist and everything else. And we saw the explanation of the abomination in Mark and the abomination in Matthew, and the whole world just sandwiches them together. But if you go to Daniel chapter 11, you see one of the abominations, and you go to Daniel chapter 12, you see the other abomination, because there are two abominations. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Now, let me prove it to you in a couple other places, and we'll see how much longer you want me to go, because uh, I don't know how long this goes, but I can uh, I can spend the next week ten hours a day doing this. Yeah, but we're pretty like, much over time Tom, right now. I'm just, I'm just letting okay. you know we're about thirty over. Uh, but go ahead, go ahead. Um, we're not getting cut off or anything. Fin- we could probably run till ten. Fifty-one. Okay, how about I just I'll finish on yeah, these two points about the fourteen years. So in no Psalms problem. ninety and ten is, sorry. Okay. We have about a so, three-second delay between when I talk and when you talk, so I apologize that every time I talk, I guarantee I'll be talking right right over the top of you and vice versa. Um, so apologize for that. But, yeah, no, just go ahead and take, take the time you need to, to tie a ribbon on it. Awesome stuff. Thank you so perfect. much. 
I appreciate it. I will do. Thank you. So I'll finish with two points in this. In Psalms 90 and 10, people are, are confused by it because it says the days of our years are three score and 10, which means 70. And it says, if by reason of strength, they be 80. So that's 10 years. Yet your strength is labor and sorrow. So that means there's going to be toil, sorrow, travail, pain, trouble. So you've got a period that's represented by 10 years of tribulation. And then it says, for it is soon cut off. So a short period of time, a few months, what does that take us to? Ten and a half years when Messiah breaks the covenant that he made because Satan is cast down. And then listen to what it says. And we fly away. That flying away is what I was just sharing in Revelation chapter 12 when they fly away on the wings of an eagle. How long do they fly away on the wings of an eagle for? For the final three and a half years of which two and a half is Satan's portion and the final year when the Lord returns on uh, feet down on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah 14, binds Satan, destroys the enemy, replenishes everything, and the 14 years is done. When the 14 years is done, he brings them back. It's the restoration of all things because it's the final jubilee. Rev uh, Psalms 90 and 10 is the revelation of 14 years in one single verse. Now, the issue is, where is the true 70 years? And to understand that, we're not going to go to it today, but the revelation of that understanding is found in Leviticus 19, I think verse 23, 24, and 25, that when they came into the land, they were to do certain things before it was theirs to begin. And when you understand that, we're not going into any date setting, but when you understand that, you will begin to understand where the true 70 years is and where this 50-day portion is about to begin. But at least we know what we're about to see if this is the time coming and we will know to look up. But let me finish with this portion to show the absolute proof of the timing of the temple. If we go into 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, listen to this. It's the exact picture of the revelation of the end of days of the rebuilding, and it is the exact picture of what I was sharing in Zechariah. Kings 6, 37 and 38. In the fourth year was the foundation of the Lord laid. What was it in Zechariah? Chapter 4. In the month of Ziph. In the 11th year. What well, In the month of Bool, which is the eighth month, was the house finished. What's the 11th year? Mid-trumpets, about 10 and a half years in total from start of seals to mid-trumpets, about 10 and a half years. Psalms 90 and 10, 70 to 80 in a short period of time, then cut off. It's, it's Revelation 12, 14, when they're cut off and they fly away. It's, it's Revelation uh, chapter, what is it, 11, when, when the pit is open at the first woe. It's ten and a half years into the entire story of tribulation that begins with outside of the 50 days, which begins at the start of the 14 years when Jerusalem is attacked. And what did it say? Fourth year, the foundation is laid. By sometime in the 11th year, about midway through, it says the eighth month was the house finished. That's because the, the, the rest, when the Antichrist shows up, the rest of the temple is going to be built. Only the foundation was laid. The Lord is there, Zerubbabel, and, and the modern-day Zerubbabel, and the Lord is there as high priest and king. The, the temple is rebuilt. The Lord is with the 144,000s. 
1,000 with high priests and king. The temple is rebuilt during the first three and a half years of trumpets. And when it's done, the total was seven years in building. It started in the fourth year, which means at the end of three. So in the fourth year, about three and a half years in, which leaves what? Three and a half years and three and a half years remaining to the end of seals and three and a half years approximately to mid trumpets. Ten and a half years, seven years in total building. Brothers and sisters, the, the revelation is gangbusters. It, it's, it, it, when you begin to understand these differences in the Gospels and, and you begin to track it and study it and seek it and search it, it's not just this revelation of the Gospels that will open to you to, to reveal the pre, mid, and post. It reveals that the Lord is coming. He's, he's going to be here as the white horse rider. I don't know if you guys have ever studied this, but the white horse rider is here for a period of 40 days, which is a part of that 50 days after the escape. After the pre-trib escape and the wedding that takes place in heaven, he's returning here for 40 days before the end of the 50 days is over. And the, you want to be able to understand it? Go look and see what the Muslims call Dajjal. The Muslims have a character, a figure called the Dajjal, who they call the deceiving Messiah. And they say that he's going to be here for 40 days doing miracles, signs, and wonders, bringing Jews to him and, and, and prostitutes and everybody else. They're, the enemy has preempted the Son of Man coming for 40 days, preempted it so that they won't fall for it. Well, guess what? The Christians not realizing the actual revelation of the end of days when the pre-trib group is gone and the world of church is freaking out saying, why didn't I go? Why didn't I go? Because 90% is remaining of which some will fall away and more will come in. And they're all freaking out. The son of man is going to show up and they're going to reject them because the whole world of church has been told, has told us that antichrist comes first. Muslims have been pre-told that Dajjal comes first, who is the false Messiah. He's going to do signs and wonders like Jesus did, but he is the false Messiah. And they even boldly say, just as the Christians say the, the Antichrist is coming, that is our Dajjal. It absolutely is not, because we know then their Mahdi and their prophet is coming. Their Mahdi and their prophet is the Antichrist and the false prophet. The son of man, who they call the Dajjal, is the one coming for 40 days. And the entire world, outside of a group of remnant workers chosen during seals, and others who will realize his power and what's taking place, but the vast majority will reject him. And he even told us in Luke 17, I think verse 25, that this generation, which means the final generation, will reject him. And it would be as it was in the days of Noah, until they got in the ark and the 40 days began. He is going to be here for 40 days. It is, all, it is a pre-trib escape. There's a seven-day wedding. He returns for 40 days on the eighth day. When he leaves, there's going to be a new anointing, a Holy Ghost anointing on this remnant worker group for seals. And bang, the following day, Jerusalem will be attacked and destroyed by Syria. It is there in Zechariah. It is there in Isaiah chapter 9. You see a light attack. You see the Son of Man, one born unto us, and then you see Syria attacking. That is the picture of the 50 days before the attack 
on Jerusalem, which will begin the 14 years and the revelation of all these gospels that I shared. I'll, I'll finish it there. Like I said, I damned in as much as I could, and hopefully people take their time to go into those scriptures and, and follow it along the way. But I, I could do this for hours, and I could take it all the way back to the creation story. It is absolutely phenomenal. And five and a half, six years ago, I barely opened my Bible because I thought it was too confusing to read with this, thou, and those. So the Spirit is working. The revelation of the Lord is being revealed. And the truth absolutely is the differences in the Gospels, who they're speaking to, who they relate to, and it reveals the 14 years and above. All right. Praise God. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Brother Elaine. Uh, uh, this, I, I, you know, I don't even know what to say. All I can say is that there's uh, right. a, a, a lot of powerful revelations, especially uh, the differences between, uh, you know, Jesus the cross and the dynamics that occurred in the orders and, and the colors and everything between the different Gospels. Uh, that really just... Uh, just jumps off the page at, at, at you when, when when you hear about it, and it, and it definitely Absolutely. merits going back and taking another look at. Anyway, thank you so much again. What was the name of your ministry again, where people can go and look for more information? Uh, it's ministryrevealed.com, and go to the intro page and just watch those videos in order. Um, and we also have the YouTube channel, Ministry Revealed. That's awesome. Praise God. Glean the information off. Look into the information. Pray about things. Um, You know, we're all in this together, and uh, we all see through the mirror dimly. We all see through the mirror dimly. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what. Take a second look, my friend, at uh, Luke Luke 21, 35, 36, 37, where Jesus comes back from the marriage supper of the Lamb to pick up the second watch in the third watch and then take a look at Matthew 20 uh, 26 and you'll notice in Matthew 26 the great king who is our heavenly father sends out his servants to go tell people to prepare for the the feast then they basically turn their backs on him but take note of the word other o t h e r then he sends out other servants. The right. reason why that's there is because the first group is at the wedding supper. Hallelujah. So anyway, God bless you. Thank Hallelujah. you for everything that you shared with us tonight. It's very powerful. Folks, go ahead and dig into this. A lot of exciting things you got to discern, pray. And Father, we just pray that everything that is true uh, just, you know, completely merges with the Godhead in our spirit and uh, things that are maybe marginal or, or we'll discover those adjustments as we move forward, uh, either as part of the cloud witnesses from the heavenly, uh, you know, Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem spoken of in Hebrews 12, 22, uh, the Mount Zion, which is in heaven uh, in Hebrews 12, 22. And, and hopefully we'll be, many of us will be, I hope I am watching from that position uh, for a lot of this stuff, because I don't want to be around town. Amen. All right. Praise God. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It was a lot of fun and really some super cool revelations to just, you know, read, you know, take a whole nother look at the Bible. Praise God. So thank you, Elaine, for joining us. We'll see you all Friday night, 7 p.m. at the Prayer Vigil, Lord willing. Thank you, brother. God bless you. I appreciate it. Thank you all very much.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.